I'd like to take his face. Oh. You call himself ass kick instead. Have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and beat to you? Yes! Am I getting through to you? Hello, and welcome to We Bought a Nick on We Bought a Mike, a pop culture cage cast. Do you get it? Do you get it? It's We Bought a Nick on We Bought a Mike. Nick, like Nicholas and <laughs> microphone. I didn't. Oh my God, that's oh. what the joke is. Yeah. Oh, Dude, that, that's I, got I, levels. Mm. Yeah. Usually Nicholas, I just figure you're just saying shit and I'm not listening. As in Nicholas Cage. Mm-hmm. Who is the one and only. A vampire. <laughs> oh, here's here's a great addition uh, from this film. We're covering The Rock today. Uh, the, the ADR of him as he's squatting down while holding the flares at the very end. And he's it, it's really out of place, bad ADR. If you're just it's going like, double. He's just going, ugh. <laughs> And it's the only thing you can hear. Well, you, the most you guys didn't go with a uh, Zeus's butthole. That's a good one. That's in the intro. Yeah, yeah. there, there's some shit from this weekend. Yeah, pull. there's, there's absolutely in every of these movies, but especially in this one too. I'm a chemical guy. <laughs> he said, I think he says I'm a chemical super freak. <laughs> super freak. <laughs> he says that at least twice. What's, what's the thing at the beginning with the vinyl? Oh, oh, don't worry. That's going to be the best lines. Later. Okay, okay. I, I was hoping you would write that down. Yeah, don't you worry. Welcome to the show, We Bought a Mic, where we're doing a little Nick Cage series, and we're in deep. We're in deep right now with Michael Bay's The Rock, the fifth one in the series. I am Ernest Galdron. I'm Drew. Do you like my pigtails? Oh, yeah, the pigtails. Oh, very naughty. Naughty, naughty. I'm a cream peach sorbet persuasion. My name is Hunter. All right. And making his Wabam debut, the one and only Reed Delisle. Welcome to the show. You did the last name. I'm very proud of you. Nice. Oh, there we go, baby. Yeah, how you guys doing? I'm always happy to talk about Nick Cage. We, uh, I, I met you through uh, the First and Final Frames podcast show. And I'm uh, very glad to have because now we got you on for this, uh, this, you know, we've been doing this series and we get into these like potential uh, new series that could stem off. You know, we, we, we touched a little bit on David Lynch last week with Bald at Heart. And today we're touching a little bit on Michael Bay with The Rock. And it's, it seems like potential here. So is that kind of why you chose this movie for your appearance? Is it the Michael Bay of it all? Or is this just a peak cage for you? There's just so many things about this movie. This is one of the movies where when it's on USA, it doesn't matter where you are. You're just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch this all the way through. Characters are indeed welcome in this movie. (laughs) Quite a few. Good Lord. Between uh, reruns of Suits and The Rock. Yeah, but uh, Bruckheimer movies in general are very good the cable movies i think mm-hmm. like yeah. like 90s brook 
obviously he worked with Bay quite a bit, but just generally these like just big stupid movies. <laughs> yeah, they're all. I mean, this is like a classic thing where like you just throw it on and you're like, oh shit, they're about to like get to Alcatraz. Like I gotta actually like stick around for him to slide through the furnace or something. It's a classic cable movie in that sense, and so much to the fact that. I actually don't know if I had ever seen this movie in full before mm-hmm. actually watching. At least I hadn't like in my adult life, but I had seen pretty much the whole movie just in bits and pieces on cable over the years through FX or um, USA or what have you. So Reed, tell us uh, your overall thoughts on this movie. Uh, this is a nineties action masterpiece. This, this has everything you could ever want from a 90s movie. I mean, Ed Harris is, a, shockingly, for a Michael Bay movie, a really good, sympathetic villain. Like, I, I didn't go in expecting that. Uh, Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage are both having fun and seeming like they don't give a shit. They don't give a fuck. No, they don't. <laughs> um like the shots are cool the action's fun and Hans Zimmer's score is insane it's so good doesn't it kind of sound like uh Pirates of the Caribbean a little bit doesn't he recycle a little bit of the refrains you know a few years later Um, with pirates so that's very true and also the other thing is in this movie in particular uh fox's nfl music yes is identical. i was no i was literally it's thinking identical. i have that written down in my notes at some point that was just like i feel like i'm watching football on sunday it, right now it's really it plays it's, during the credits and i was like they it's it was clearly like the you know whatever it's called like the dummy track they were like mm-hmm. do something like this and then the guy who made the fox nfl music he didn't do something like it. he just did it it's the great american game for a great american film yeah nice mm-hmm. yeah I will say that the one part of the score that makes me laugh is the weird flute part they gave for Sean Connery <laughs> oh whenever he does something nice. Yeah. Yes. It's like the most like uh, late 80s, 90s kind of action movie thing ever. Where it's, it, it's the same thing that plays in like B action movies of the era whenever like the romantic interest comes in play. It's just like, oh, like look at this little nice uh nice piano or flute motif that we'll throw in here in an otherwise score that's like bang 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 dun 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 okay (laughs) michael bay is so fascinating to me i i i really want to talk a lot about him tonight i went into a little bit of a of a bay hole over the last couple days bay hole (laughs) and he is so fascinating to me i mean like we're all we're here for the cage we're going to have a bunch of cagegories at the end of the episode. Um, but this is the one movie that Nick Cage made with Michael Bay. And this guy, he hates people. He hates human beings, Michael Bay. And this was before he came into full power. This was like his second movie, I think. And you really get a sense of like him kind of caring about people still in this movie you know the characters are for the most part like fairly humanized like i feel like sean connery you know he's a fairly humanized person you like you care about him you kind of root for cage he's our hero he becomes an action star in this movie right this was the first time that he got the action hero role 
Mm-hmm. Up until this point, he hadn't like Bay gave him the platform that he would later take down a whole path of his career. You know, I, I think this is a special movie in this in this series that kind of I don't know, it sets a lot up and and it gives us the opportunity to to talk about like the weirdness of Michael Bay, because there's just so much to dig into from like him fetishizing like the, the hyper violence and the the ogling at the military. Yeah, it's, uh, it's this, insane. this movie actually made me, I forgot to tell you guys, I did enlist uh, in the army after watching this movie. I was like, send me over to the Gulf War to go fight some uh, some some Middle Eastern people. After this movie. <laughs> How's that going? And I bought, I bought a new uh, Call of Duty game because, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Epic, dude. No, it's funny. In the research for this movie, it's kind of weird. So this movie, it was originally supposed to be directed by Tony Scott. Mm-hmm. It has makes yeah, a lot, has of, a lot of vibes. That, yeah, that's um, nice. and do you know who was originally supposed to play the cage part? Uh, was it Tom Cruise? No, no. Uh, earlier it was an, well out older at this point in there. Reed, Reed, we will get one guess. What's your guess? Swayze. Whoa, that's a good guess for that. So early, no, it's uh, he is an action, star. not Schwarzenegger. It was Schwarzenegger. Oh, get out yeah, of here. Schwarzenegger that's was supposed to play the movie. Nick Cage part, and that's I thought like, he was uh, supposed to play the Sean Connery part. Maybe oh, I misread it. I that thought would that make was, more sense. I thought yeah. I read it as he that, and I was like, a wait, chemical guy wait. who's like out of who's like off. I thought that it was going to be like a meta thing, like almost like him doing Last Action Hero again of making a commentary on the yeah. genre. Him and he's made, supposed to be like, oh, I've never been in active combat. You know, I, <laughs> that's like I, him selling mattresses in uh, Jingle All the Way. You're like, you don't yeah, do that. Yeah. No. Or being like a mild manner salesman in True Lies. He's never done any, any, any movie where he is a, just like a guy. I don't believe because <laughs> Arnold's just not a guy. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I think that would suck. Like, yeah, I, maybe I'm not putting enough faith in him, but him in the Connery role, like it's an old man's role. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's you need somebody who is like weathered and like feels like they have been locked up in prison for 30 years. I just I also just don't buy Schwarzenegger being a genius. Oh, but him yelling Womack would have been the greatest thing in the world. They couldn't get Schwarzenegger's voice. So instead they went for (laughs) Connery's voice, which is pretty equally Mount Rushmore. (laughs) If it was made now, it would be Liam Neeson. That's just oh, no. that's so boring. Right, For the rock too. Do we have uh, any, yeah, do we have any like insane like old guys who just take themselves like dead serious and they're very funny? But Jack Nicholson's pretty old at this point. Jack Nicholson is retired from acting. Jack is yeah. dude does old. not. Jack is so old. He would yeah. run out of breath doing the rolls under the burner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He would burn. He would just burn. Cut constantly with different things. And he just like does like one roll, and he's like, "All right, give me a minute, guess." Uh, I Joe Pesci. <laughs> no, that man is way too old too. No, that'd be that'd be horrible. You need you need someone who can play old without being be old. actually being old. What about Nick Cage, dude? <laughs> the yeah. Rock too. <laughs> It's just Nick Cage and the Sean Connery part. Like you know, years so on. there was actually Michael Bay wanted to make uh, The Rock too, or at least like they talked about it with Bruckheimer, and I guess they mutually decided. I mean, we'll get into it how this movie ends, but it was going to be a direct sequel immediately after the events, with Nick Cage being an outlaw with secrets of the government. 
Oh, because and then it just became national treasure. Yeah, I did get some vibes there. <laughs> and no, it didn't actually become national. <laughs> That's pretty much. I mean, I would believe for that the though. National the very end of this movie is just like, oh, is he just going to go do yeah, national treasure just, right now? He just no, he just like knows. Like he just finds out the JFK thing. He's like swag. <laughs> so he looks on the the microfilm and just sees like there's a map on the back of the deck. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Lee, I or. Uh, Read. Wow. I noticed that you're. Uh, oh, it's actually not right now. But uh, when we were on the first Zoom, your name was Stanley Goodspeed. That's on correct. The, on the last Zoom. So um, why is that? Because that is the greatest name for any character <laughs> in a movie ever. And uh, Nicholas Cage graced the silver screen. And embody that role in ways that I don't know if I like or not, but I can't stop watching. <laughs> I, you know, for all the issues that I have with this movie, I really don't. I don't think Cage is chief among them. You know, what, how, what kind of issues could you possibly have, with this dude? Li- okay, so I, I watched this for the first time ever last night. First, wow. I, I was coming straight from a class where I rewatched Moonlight. <laughs> oh my Man, God. Wild that, what a that's calm a, down. That's a smooth transition. It was so, it was so hard to take anything even I like lobster seriously. and Skittles. <laughs> it was just like these aren't it's these aren't characters. This isn't this yeah. isn't a movie. But that's part of the magic of I know. Day. It's just what it, do you think has more socially to say though? Moonlight or so, is the real question. I was just I was just like fully I was having like a dissociative moment where like it felt like like how Kaufman does that fake Zemeckis movie and, and I'm thinking of anything. I was like, yeah, this is a movie like that's in a movie. <laughs> it is. But, yeah. It's I, not meant to be realistic. I think I just wasn't in the headspace for it because I was coming right off of like crying to Moonlight. Um, that said though, the movie is like very funny either way. Like it's just funny to watch. You're watching it like this is really going nuts. They're going so nuts with this. So in doing some research for this movie, because so much of the humor to it is from Nick Cage's character, most of his dialogue was ad-libbed. Like he <laughs> brought the humor to this Oh, that's movie. amazing. It was much more like flat and dry and down the middle. And I think it would have made for a much worse movie. Yeah. And Nick Cage, all in his dialogue, like he made up the whole thing about how his character doesn't curse. So he'll say like Zeus's butthole or get off your a-hole and all I, that kind of stuff. That sounds right. I had, yeah. to, I had to, for, I like paused to make sure I wasn't watching like an edited TV version because <laughs> he's in a really tight, heated moment. He goes, freaking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it, I think this he, is an R-rated movie. Go ahead, Reed. I think he only says fuck when he shoves the uh, jawbreaker into the skinny guy's mouth. Oof. Like, that's the only time he curses. I do think that I probably watched a cable version of this when I was young, though, because I don't remember this movie being so violent. Like, it is oh, yeah. crazy bloody yeah. and, and, and intense and gratuitous with its violence, and I do not remember that. I think... I think the, the version that came on TV must have cut some of oh, stuff sure. down. Oh, yeah. The bay really the, gets gratuitous with it. The Navy SEAL kill box scene was probably like definitely cut down. Oh, that was insane. That's, That's a jaw dropping moment. Yeah, it is a brutal moment. <laughs> wow. So The Rock was released in the year 1996. Year following uh, Cage winning his Oscar. Actually, it was released, it was a summer movie, right? Um, um, I believe so. I think I'm it was. It came out like 
three or four months after Cage won his Oscar. So this is like the big like June 7th. Yeah. So, I mean, the Oscars were in late February, early March that year. Massive, massive box office hit. Like this movie raked in the dough 33 or 335 million dollars off of a 75 million dollar budget. Yeah. I mean, it makes it it's a person who is now in their career arc peak and fucking James Bond in the same movie. And at this point, like Ed Harris wasn't nobody. People still knew who Ed Harris was. Yeah, it was it was a, like a three, this is after it was a three headed. Um, it was poster. this is the year uh, after Apollo 13 where yeah. he was nominated for best the, actor. The poster did him dirty, though. The poster is one thing. The extended cast is another. Like Michael Bean, William Forsythe, my boy, John Spencer, John Spencer from the West Wing, pre-West Wing, I should say. Um, uh, John uh, C. David McGinley. Yeah, 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 yeah. David Morris, uh, John C. McGinley, uh, the janitor from Scrubs, as most people our generation know him as. Tony Todd, who I uh, absolutely love. So many dude. bad guys. Uh, yeah. Gregory, Gregory Spore leader. If that's, I don't know how that, if that's how you say it, but that's a, that is that guy. That's the Stanley Goodspeed of real names right there. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Philip, Philip Baker Hall is in one scene. <laughs> that's yeah. He's in like that little, uh, the like boardroom scene very early on the movie. It was just like, what is that Philip Baker Hall? Um, the hairdresser guy who plays a 90s gay stereotype. Yeah, Anthony something. He was like a, a very successful comedian who starred in Yestier for like seven Yestier, years. that was it. Yeah. I, yeah, I watched that whole show when I was a child for no reason at all. <laughs> so that's a very odd scene. Um, that is, yeah, that's one way to say it. That's, uh, like, yeah, that's a wildly <laughs> hasn't uh, Hasn't aged great. Yeah, there's literally, Sean Connery makes like two or three gay jokes, like bad Poor taste well, jokes in the scene, like, oh, I don't they're this. probably also ad libbed. Oh my god, yes, <laughs> yeah. I, in the script, he's not less of a piece of shit. So, so part of me feels like that scene is like very 90s in the sense of like they thought they were being progressive with mm-hmm. that scene, but then you remember that this movie is directed by Michael Bay, and then you realize that he's just he's just being ugly like he would become way uglier down the line and and i'm like fascinated to see all his movies now because i've never i've never seen the bad boys movies and i've just heard that those movies are like as ugly as it gets like he goes full blown out and that scene is just a little little bitty tiny tiny little taste um on the bright side this movie doesn't have um i mean we talked about the way that he uh really goes for gratuitous shots uh Situating violence, at least there isn't a, uh, you know, a minor child woman who's sexualized in this movie, like uh, is in the fifth Transformers movie, where he tries yeah, to get the Megan Fox treatment to a child. Like a little girl. A little girl. That was the most of all of the uh. appalling things of that movie. That was the most like, I, this man, it should not be allowed to hold a camera anymore. <laughs> You know, they uh, they tried getting him off the movie a lot, and Sean Connery had to go to bat for him. Wow. Bay? Yeah. Damn. Why is that? Well, I I read a story. Um, The studio wasn't happy with what was happening, so, like, Bay was on his way to meet with them, and Sean Connery's coming back from playing golf, so he's just dressed, I'm sure, in a full kilt. <laughs> and he heard, like, Bay was like, yeah, I'm going to the studio. He's like, oh, could I come? And he just... 
went with him and the studio talked to Michael Bay and then Sean Connery stood up and just said, let the man do his job. And wow. so because of Sean I'm Connery, that, uh, I'm glad you have a Connery like teed up because I just <laughs> I don't quite have it yet. A good Connery. It, it's more of the uh, the Jeopardy. It's an impression of the Jeopardy impression. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. a Daryl Hammond impression. <laughs> um, yeah. So Bay owes his career to Sean Connery, essentially. Like he would yes. have a swag. That yeah. R.I.P. By the way, he, he really in reality he owes it to the Brook, but um, yeah. Okay, Jerry Bruckheimer. That's a whole conversation to have. This guy like ruled the world mm-hmm. of Hollywood for a pretty good amount of time. Like the late 90s, early 2000s or all like he he did the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Like those were the biggest fucking movies ever. I mean, all all fucking all of uh Michael Bay's like early big hits and then on top of that he worked with uh, Cage some more and Con Air. Yeah, Con Air, Gone 60 Seconds, he does some stuff with that. Oh, uh, Tony Scott. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, he's done a lot of Top Gun, movies. like mm-hmm. Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, even going back to the 80s, like, Bruckheimer was the producer in Hollywood for, like, top-tier A-list style movies. He helped make uh, Independence Day, Black Hawk, and, like, it's just all through... Kinkery Jack and fucking the I mean film of the 2000s and um, CSI all the CSIs damn the amazing race too what an empire he's he's a CBS guy he's basically bizarro Harvey Weinstein <laughs> Oof. he's yeah, yeah he's you could say that he's he's Harvey Weinstein but not even pretending to be uh, absorbed in like art yeah <laughs> you know? he just there's makes, no pretense yeah. there like it's just like yeah i just make like the big things yeah he's not like Gus Van Sant movie yeah i just want people yeah. to like, like it jerry bruckheimer never had a thing where uh the academy awards the academy association of motion arts and pictures were like what is harvey weinstein producing this year we have to give it a golden statue because that's a thing that happened um from the 90s from the mid late 90s all the way up until like the Chicago's and the artist one, like there was a run where uh, a Harvey Weinstein production won eight out of 12 Oscars in a row or something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that. Like it was unbelievable how much people loved Harvey Weinstein. And maybe that was a mistake because of uh, some of his uh, non-production things that he is mm-hmm. known for now. I don't, I don't know what you're talking okay. about. And yeah. I don't care about yeah. Yeah. Um, Bruckheimer mostly goes for like the Nickelodeon award. Yeah. Yes. Or like this, the Spike uh, Guy's Choice Awards. If there was a most popular Oscar in the nineties and two thousands, he would have so many little statues. He wins the the money award, basically for making the most money. There was there was one um, time that they did try to go for awards, which was Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor was the one time that they were like, you know what, we're going to make a serious drama. And we're gonna we're gonna sweep the Academy Awards. And, and they got sound. <laughs> yeah. they got also, sound. they made a, a terrible that movie. That movie sucks. Yeah. I hated Ben Affleck for like a good 10 years of my life after yeah. seeing that movie. Uh, because my grandparents own that movie on VHS. It is on two separate VHSs because it's way too goddamn long. It's the Titanic. Yeah, Titanic treatment. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's no, no. That movie sucks shit. I hate that movie so wow. much. It's like, it's like, let me copy your homework. I won't make it look exactly the same. The other one that was, that people Air thought planes. was going to be uh, another award contender is the next Michael Bay movie, Armageddon. 
that is a movie that was made with a big cast with Bruce Willis, with uh, Ben Affleck coming off of Goodwill Hunting, Millie with, Bob uh, Thor, Steven Tyler singing with the, Tyler. the song. And uh, that movie is also not very good. Was that, a, was that post Sling Blade? Like, was uh, Billy Bob yes. a kid? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Armageddon is a uh, 98. So I think Sling Blade was like 97, 96, I want to say. I don't yeah, want to fall asleep because I miss you, baby. <laughs> So we need, to, we, need, <laughs> we need to get into this movie in particular. Um, I used to is, have that this on, is my, the beginning of on the my PSP. That's, that's <laughs> that song? Yeah. I think it was the that's whole soundtrack. Sick. But I was going to say, oh, yeah. just have that. It's like <laughs> their cover of Come Together of, uh, rocks. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Straight up. That's questionable things with an animal cracker. But <laughs> The Rock. So, yeah, so this movie starts off really the cage assaults right here. Like, it started leaving Las this Vegas. This is the run. He mm. wins the Academy Award. But, I mean, and that movie gets recognition because people praise his role. But this is the beginning of Cage as A-plus lister. You put him on the front of every poster in your movie, you'll make $300, $300 million guaranteed. That's that's insane. It's silly to think about. No, Um but yeah, you're right. He he's to be in like a two fister with with Connery, where you're both being you know you're both being given equal due, uh, even though Connery is more like enigmatic character. Um, either way, though, the way we're introduced to him in the movie is lovely. We <laughs> can we talk about the opening credits first? That's yes. these these shots of like this like military funeral. With like the flag and oh the my rain. God. It's so it's so much. Dude. It made me enlist in the Gulf War. <laughs> right I'm, away. I'm also, next the week. rock, like the words the rock with like flames. <laughs> yeah, like the Terminator 2 flames. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Terminator 2 like dollar store flames, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not it's, quite. It's like the intro to Wild at Heart, but without the irony that Wild at Heart has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I was watching the opening credits and I was like, Michael Bay shoots the military the same way Zack Snyder shoots superheroes. This exactly. is insane. It's, it's so sullen and very serious and there's no jokes to be made because these are gods among men. Yeah. Or American that, soldiers. Heroes. <laughs> Real life heroes. It's really, really wild how conservative. <laughs> really, really all of his movies are, but like this one, this one, because obviously there is like the counterpoint in this movie like you get plenty of like well somebody not everyone in the film can be good so you have to decide like are we talking how do you guys want me to feel do you want me to think that like the military is great but these rogue guys are wrong but you know they're right it's because the military is actually bad no 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 see the military the, the military is great. The government is bad. Exactly. The government fucked it, them. That's what it is. Yeah. Anyone Clinton who's like era, Clinton era America fucked over the soldiers. Yeah. Because pretty quickly in this, uh, the chief of staff, Hayden Sinclair, in this movie, the young guy who's in the room, in the war room, is treated so shittily, like immediately. And he's bringing up valid points all the time. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, how old are you, kid? Oh, cool. How many fucking tours have you done, bitch? Yeah. And, and every in response case, to him is basically shut up, nerd. Yeah. yeah. And he's right. <laughs> they're like, hey, we uh, we shouldn't <laughs> like do this. In Bay's eyes, 
those guys in that room are all a bunch of schmucks. They're all a bunch of empty suits who don't know what it's like to be a true American yeah. patriot. Except for the former military guys in the room, because there are a few. And yeah. those guys are the ones Ed Harris will talk to. Because yeah. every time he gets a new person, he's like, identify yourself. <laughs> who am I talking to, son? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the last the, thing I wanted to say about these opening credits is you get the sense that Bay knows how to frame a shot. Like right away from the very beginning of the movie, we know that this guy knows where to put the fucking camera. And that carries through the entire movie. And I wish that this guy, A, wasn't that much of like a meathead kind of deal. And two, that he didn't get stuck making a bunch of Transformers movies because he has an eye, he has like a, a stylistic eye and he's he's using it for the wrong purposes, like fetishizing the military and and all these other egregious things. But like he knows how to frame a shot. He knows how to make it look like epic. And like it's, it's like a with great power comes great responsibility thing. He's blowing your he responsibility. He does it too target. much. It's too much of like check out this like dynamic shit. There's, and now here's immediately another shot that should not be moving the opposite way. One story I love. Oh, it's uh, constantly rotating. Yeah, like it's so first. it's it's yeah, so overwhelming. In in smaller moments, it's like stop. Yeah, just I'm begging you to stop moving your fucking camera. One story that I read about was that um, Ed Harris and a few of the other actors got really annoyed with the amount of coverage that Michael Bay always wanted to get on shots of just like, we have to get a shot panning left and then we have to get a shot from above and a shot from below. And I think it was Ed Harris who like made a comment, just like we're actors, we're the people who are supposed to be on screen. You don't need to make yourself as like another character in the story. And his like, he is the definition of like athletic filmmaking whenever i say that in a negative connotation well the thing is because sometimes it's great like there's plenty of really great shit where like in a vacuum you're like wow this is really really well executed it's just he doesn't know when to stop he doesn't know he goes overboard with it he has plenty of like like you said he has a a bag of tricks that he really knows how to wield it just it becomes it becomes like the only thing you can look at sometimes go go ahead read and then i have something to say after you Oh, I was, I was just going to agree. I think he needs, uh, Bruckheimer should have like put his foot down, just been like less. And, you know, the, like the most excess from like Bay that I always watch besides the insane amount of helicopters he has on budget is anytime there's a shot or an explosion, white sparks shoot up in slow motion. <laughs> and it doesn't matter the size of the explosion or anything. Like when the Navy SEALs are being captured, Michael Bain is doing like, the last stand firing randomly there's just behind just i'm like (laughs) what are we what are we doing here guys where did that come from so so i think that in this movie it's just enough because (laughs) i've seen what he can do and again i haven't seen his full catalog and i'm I'm curious to, to kind of fill in the gaps but in those transformers movies it's overblown to the max Like the maximalism just goes so overboard to the point where you have no idea what the hell is happening on screen at any point. It is completely incomprehensible. Mm -hmm. In this movie, yes, it is a lot, but it's restrained enough for Bay to actually like tell a coherent story and, and to have like these shots, like, you know, have a little bit of breathing room. Obviously, if you're going to compare it to just kind of 
more traditional filmmaking, of course it is going to be a lot. But I, I feel like what he does so well is that he puts you in this hyper stylized movie reality <laughs> in such a way that really, really works wonders. Like, I, I think he is one of like the missed opportunities of Hollywood. Like 1996, we're, we're coming up on like almost, you know, 30 years of this movie. And he's just made dog shit. I he's think dog yeah. shit. And it's like in this movie, there's this there's this potential of this guy who like would have been a truly, truly great like auteur. Yeah, like but one of the great the, auteurs. The thing is, though, like if not for what? If not for himself. It's exactly. not Transformers yeah. that fucked him over. Like he, he was making bad decisions. I think he made what he wanted to make right. with his career. You know, yeah. I, ugly, I think he got too horses. comfortable with CGI. That's yes. that's absolutely uh, yeah. true. The Rock, he had to rely on practical effects, and you could only go so far. And that's why, in comparison to when he's like, "Well, what can I do on a computer? I can do everything." They're yeah. going to show them everything. Get the robot a scrotum. It's like <laughs> that. You know that, that ruined my life, dude. <laughs> that ruined that John Turturro. Is, that I, image is burned into my brain. I can't. I can't escape it. It haunts me every night. I mean, I'll well. On, as a quick aside, I'll never forget seeing Transformers 2 in theaters uh, because Transformers, whenever I saw it in theaters, I was uh, 12 years old and that was like the most important movie to me right. ever. Yeah, I grew up watching the Transformers first one... the TV show. The movie was dope for a little kid. And uh, before I went to go see the sequel, uh, my uncle came up because he like saw it the night before. It was just like... This one, it's even better than the first one. Like this movie, it, like it's incredible. It kicks so much ass. Um, he didn't say it kicks ass because I was like 14 at the time, but he was just like, this. it's better than the first one. So I went there and that's one of the first times that I remember that's seeing crazy. a movie in a theater and just like really hated it. The movie is dog yeah. shit. It, it's a victim of the writer strike of that time. <laughs> what was it, like 20? Well, the writer strike was 2007, 2011 oh, no. maybe. Well, yeah, no, uh, Revenge of the Fallen, the second one came out in 2009. Okay, oh. so it must have been before that. It must have been like 08. Yeah, so they oh, don't have an excuse. Totally. So the next note that I wrote down in this movie is that Ed Harris visits the grave, uh, a grave that says his wife. Yeah. Is that something that they put on graves? <laughs> just, it's just, it's I had the same wife. thought. <laughs> that's not a thing. That, that, that that's, is how Michael Bay thinks about women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it's like, oh, it's Ed Harris's wife. Like that, we need to she know. She has that. an agency of her own, idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, like, what do you, like, Nick Cage's girlfriend in this movie. Yeah, like, that's just character. his wife. Like, she's not anything but that, you know? That's the most bizarre yeah, she's thing. Catholic. I had to rewind the movie. I was like, did I just imagine that? Like, no, it definitely makes sense. I mean, there's honestly, I bet they did do that back in the day. They were yeah. just like, yeah, some. But some... It, would, it would be cute if when Ed Harris dies, he goes in and it says, her husband. Wow. That's yeah, it's, it's not going to do that. So they're, they're doing like a long bit. Yeah, like <laughs> they're just waiting for two and a half hours later. Like, it finally oh. pays off. Says his <laughs> wife. So then, my guy stages a coup, um, and again with the signage, it says "nuclear weapon storage." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you got it. has to be labeled. Yeah, <laughs> it's this like this script. This movie in general is for 
babies. <laughs> like it's not, and that's not a bad thing. I love movies like this. Like I do. It's just like the mechanics of the script. Like it introduces a lot of complicated subjects. Like like Ed Harris, he has a genuine struggle that is very interesting. Yeah. Um, but like the the comprehension level that they're bringing us down to is wild <laughs> at certain points. For example, I know I'm skipping ahead, but the way that the the chemicals look in those yeah. blue orbs. <laughs> yeah. That's like a secret agent Cody Banks level. Yeah, like, it is. Like I love it, dude. Thing. It's just so a mysterious funny. gel ball. It's like, ah, it'll melt your flesh. That's, yeah, yeah, it's fact, just like, it's something a toddler would look at and be like, yeah, that's probably bad. Dude, the <laughs> fact that a moment like that doesn't break this movie is amazing. Like, you open, you, you open as you see it, and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Of course, why would it not be a bunch of globe what, uh, wait, what, 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 it, what are you trying to say? It looks like they stole a lamp from Joel Schumacher's house. Yes, exactly. And, and, and I remember always thinking, like, the way he, like, has to shimmy them out. I'm like, this is the poorest constructed bomb I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I I don't get it. You don't construct a bomb like that because it'll just explode before you shoot it. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just that highly unstable. So since we're talking about this already, I got to bring this up. It is so comical, like beyond comical to me, that they bring Nick Cage is a FBI bioweapons expert. And they bring this guy in to take these balls out of a cylinder and then remove a microchip and then smash it on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's the they're like <laughs> That's the oh. extent of what he's needed. <laughs> so nobody, yeah, any, literally anybody can do that. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's really funny how they get him into the plot of this. And also just, I think it's kind of fun how he's just sort of thrown into the thick of things. Yeah. Like that, that is like a fun. It's a good art. Yeah. Because like, you do believe he like shouldn't be there, like on the rock. He doesn't want to be there. Like, he's like, why am I fucking here? I was just, like, following this weird old guy around. <laughs> and they give him absolutely no prep. He leaves his gun in his sock drawer. Like, they really just blindsided him. Yeah, they absolutely fuck him over. And then they also, like, they the measures that they put forth to stop Sean Connery from escaping, because Sean Connery is also recruited for this, uh, this you know, purported terrorism attack, because Ed Harris... Uh, has taken a bunch of hostages on Alcatraz and the nukes and yeah and is threatening to basically kill. I guess they're not nukes. No, they're not. No, no, no. The, yeah. It's it's chemicals. He's threatening yeah. to kill 70,000 people um unless uh millions of dollars are given to the families of dead soldiers because it's very personal to him. Um, it's like, "Oh, you're so close, dude. You're almost yeah. there." And guess what? The way that we find this out is Ed Harris explains this to the soldiers when they're already on Alcatraz. <laughs> yeah, they've already signed up. I know. He's like, gentlemen, you're here for this purpose. <laughs> Next scene. They've already, they're already traitors. It's so funny. It really is well, just like, just not <laughs> screenplay at all. And that's how Michael Bay gave himself an out and didn't make the military the villain because jumping ahead at the end, the military guys were like, we were never going to kill people. And it's the mercenaries that are like, no, we're going to kill people. Yeah. So yeah. military wipes his hands. Yeah. And we, we see that uh, Ed Harris 
is sort of like losing his fucking grip. Like it's not like in over his head. Every single time that anyone talks shit about him, like someone in the war room will be like, "Hey, that's a hero." Like this <laughs> man, this watch man, your mouth. This man knows who killed JFK. Yeah, he's a jet. He's a <laughs> general. He he was like really deep in the Marines, so he knows like top secret shit or whatever. I feel like what he could have very easily done is just extort the government and say, "I'm going to." S- drop these like crazy government secrets. No, I don't think Ed no, Harris doesn't know the secrets. It's Sean Connery. Yeah, it's Connery. Oh, you're so yeah. right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Which is But there's still a better way to do it than I'm going to kill 70,000 um, people in He could basically today. run for office. Oh, <laughs> he could literally God. run for office. Like, <laughs> and get and just pass, just sneak it into a bill like it's just cuz that's the other thing. That's the other thing. They're doing this for 1 million dollars each. They're becoming traitors to the state for just one million dollars. Like I don't know about what was what it was like in 1996, but it's, it's, you're gonna go so through. Not, you're gonna steal. Imagine if you will. They're doing it for two million dollars. <laughs> no, it's like Doctor Evil in Austin Powers. It's like one million. They're like, okay. He's like, yeah, nice round of the round not number. Much. You can't say t- like twelve million dollars because people are like, I don't know how to think about that. Yeah, but you're, again, you're talking to toddlers. This is a footnote in a stimulus plan by yeah. the <laughs> incoming president. If they would just wait until twenty twenty, and they could have just thrown this shit in there, they yeah, fine. they could have just given it to him. <laughs> no, you don't want. Well, to that's what he was. That's what he wanted. Just yeah. that was his thing. He was like, I don't want to kill people. Yeah. I just thought that they would buy the. Just sell the, the weapons to like an arms dealer somewhere and just um, make the money that way. And, but this all speaks to your point, Reed, that I really agree with, which is this is an, an incredible cable movie because you really don't have to be fully invested in every moment. You can look up, and the visual cues will give you so much. Yep. To be yep. Like, okay, yeah, that's that's a guy. His, his girlfriend is like bugging him or whatever. It's <laughs> final. I guess that'll come back at some point. It will. Yeah. How, Dude, I have that we, record. I have that Beat the Beatles. How it's a good do you record. feel about Nick Cage as the quirky scientist? Oh, I think it's great. I think it actually is a really good Cage. I think it's a good use of Cage. So you, didn't you say something, Reed, that you were kind of lower on it? No, I just, it's, it's simultaneously like I'm watching, I'm like, this is bad acting. But then I'm just watching it a little bit more. I was like, this might be the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's like, why that's yeah. the whole series. It's a cage experience. Right <laughs> yeah. It's it's, it's we, the Abed question from community. Exactly. Exactly. It's the thesis. Yeah. And and right now, because we've been watching a lot of really great shit, like I'm way more toward the camp of like, this guy's good. Yeah. Well, this is an interesting moment in his career, like like we were trying to get up before a little bit, is that this is when he does the action hero thing. Like this is the beginning of that. Every movie that we've seen up, up until this point, he's kind of like the weird kind of character, uh, character one. arc mm-hmm. actor guy. Um, leaving Las Vegas really like is... Leaving Las Vegas, like, is I am a dramatic actor, and then this is like, well, no, actually, I'm a move. I'm a big action movie star, and yeah, this is his taken. Yeah, well, (laughs) (laughs) I this is his. uh, God damn, what's the name of that Bob Odenkirk movie? Uh, Nobody. Would have landed. This is the. This is. I almost agree with that, but the. The thing is, is that this comes at the beginning of the run, right? Like this sets up, and I guess that Liam Neeson did have 
a run to of action that yeah, started but with like taken, the, the timeline like, is it was after his dramatic turn too with like Schindler's he, but like, like Neeson's right old when Taken happens like, and, and he's also, like it's like yeah. whoa this guy is like exactly it's Odenkirk and he even seems old and just like Bob Odenkirk he seems like he's always been kind of old like yeah even like Schindler's you're like how old is that guy really but I think Cage like has made a ton of uh, movies that are dog shit but that's much, much later in the career. You yeah. Know? Like this, at this point, we're just getting started with the good shit. Like yeah. these next couple ones, like this is when he's kind of like hitting that sweet spot. Um, and this is the one that sets him up to be the hero. And the story that is told in this movie kind of like is a perfect tee up for that because the whole point of this character is that, is that he's kind of like this normal guy, quote unquote, that gets thrust into being a full-blown action yeah, hero i'm i'm actually really interested in the fact that he ad-libbed so much because a i didn't think that bay would allow for that to happen uh because he's very type a and then b i think that that is an additive to the movie because i don't believe that this screenwriter could actually write a weird guy yeah well i don't think that this writer is in touch with what weird people are like i think he like you know, he knows like normal people. <laughs> so the script was like I was saying before, the script was very down the middle B action movie kind of style stuff. Like there was no humor in this movie at all. Yeah. And then like Cage improvised a bunch of stuff. The whole thing with like the Rocket Man, which is like the corniest shit that I've ever heard in my life. Like I that's love an it. all improvised scene. Um, I don't know. <laughs> that if, was so awesome. I don't know that if the Beatles truly thing incredible. is. Uh, is improvised that might have been in the script i i would like to think that him being naked on that chair with a guitar over his cross yeah he's like in his apartment that's only a hallway michael i have have an idea for this shot no okay so going back to the beginning of the film uh because i think that the intro of kate when he's first introduced so yeah so two things there because i think that shows both the good and the bad of michael bay's athletic style of filmmaking and back-to-back scenes because it starts out we have like the call of duty cutscene kind of thing of ed harris stealing the gel orbs whatever they're sarin gas they just keep saying it doesn't matter um i think like that's pretty good it's pretty well done that guy that guy's face melts he gets stuck in the thing so next we have um nick cage getting the beatles record and everything and then they get like a mysterious package and that i think is like just does not call for as athletic as much as the camera's moving they're in an in an enclosed space I was and really the camera's confused. spinning so yeah. much it's like dis- it's so disorienting you're like there's gas and also there's c4 that's gonna yeah. explode everything and i don't know what's the scene is nonsense it's noise to me right now but i'm having you see cockroaches exploding what? because of the gas it's only in the name of his like partner there it, i don't know he's a great that guy i love that guy and i i wish i could have seen more of it. the guy who couldn't stab himself in Just the heart the, the with the hi there stanley that guy yeah <laughs> reed what are your thoughts on there being a bomb inside of that fake baby uh, <laughs> baby opening its eyes scares the hell out of me to this day yeah um that's yeah that's very true <laughs> him holding up the uh porn mags and just going kinky <laughs> that's that's cage yes. but no i agree like that that had way too much movement it's it, but it's not like i don't know i think that there's less of a gulf between good and bad bay than most people do like i think that he 
he does what he does. Yeah. Um, and it's like the movie might suck or be good. But when it when it falls off a cliff, it falls off hard. That, well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, for sure. But um, so we meet him. So, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to go through. There's like a Rue Goldberg machine. He like shoots that fake gun. Insane. Yeah. And then he like spins around in the chair and then he gets the Beatles record and he has that line where he's like, vinyl it's better quality he's playing the guitar when he, his gf shows up but he's really just like popping strings yeah. in funny yeah. moments he's like <laughs> oh which is very funny yeah cage is just like i'm gonna play guitar for this scene michael's like oh sweet yeah what are you playing <laughs> just, <laughs> just gonna something. pluck around no so the line is well first of all it's because i'm a beatles maniac <laughs> and second these sound better this is like straight up like a scene out of like like a line from like a homemade like film that somebody just makes. Like, I love it. So I hope that was odd lip. Um, it's it's very funny. His whole his whole place is just like chill as shit. You're like, man, who is this? Yeah. You know what else he says? Perfect. Like, I think four or five different times in the movie is, I love pressure. I eat it for breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the guy eats pressure for breakfast. So one way that I would characterize this script very much is it feels like it's like a pastiche like you said like when they initially got it it was really right down the middle it's it reads to me like a selling script like a guy who needs to sell it and so he's giving you an intro that is very reminiscent of die hard with what he's they're trying to do establishing emotional stakes where this guy needs to learn to commit to a woman and then he goes through all this shit and at the very end you know he's gonna you know they're giving us that and then when we get to connery they're giving us the most insane silence of the lambs that I've ever seen yes, in my life. dude. The hair. The hair. The, oh. Just like, you know, the, the look of it, it's based on silence of the lambs where when they're in the interior, the cell with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, the way he's acting at the beginning where he just like yells in Cage's face at one point, like they're like Nick Cage is Clarice Starling. <laughs> it's dream casting. The, the rock stopped screaming. Did, 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 did. I mean, was it cut from the movie, that scene where Sean Connery, like, throws cum in Cage's face? Like, in Silence of the Lambs. Why did they cut that one? Come on. Put that in the the bay cut. Release. Release the bay cut. (laughs) Yeah, it just Um, happened off screen. There's also... Yeah, it was just, like, them just hanging out. But uh, there's also... There's another line in the apartment that just... I had to smile and just shake my head when she proposes to him and he goes, whoa, whoa, marriage police. Yeah, marriage police. I wrote, I wrote that one down too. Marriage police, pull over. Whoa, like it's not, whoa. he like whispers it too. That's that's where ad-libs go wrong to me because yeah. like it's so ad-lib that you're like, oh, no one could write that. That's like nothing. <laughs> that's not a line. <laughs> and made the cut. But it was like, do you want to do another take? And Nick was like, no, I think we got it. As he's just holding his Oscar. I think it's good. <laughs> yeah, he kept it on him the entire shit. Yeah. He's like, hey, he's like, hey, Michael. Hey, Michael, we should make ours kiss. Oh, wait. <laughs> Where's Sean? Sean, get yours. <laughs> so before we get to the cage fucking scene, we have the board scene. Um, the boardroom scene with Phil Baker Hall for one one little scene he's in there, which is the most nonsense exposition scene. Like, it, it's too long for an exposition scene. All of these movies of this time have, like, 
a two and a half minute scene that's just like they stole this it's important because x and that can lead to y and z and this is like a four and a half minute long scene it's too long they keep just saying things they shit all over the nerdy guy who we're talking about is asking legitimate questions it's Michael Bay loves to put guys in scenes that just get shit on. He loves to have a character in the scene that like people make fun of. Yeah. Oh, also the taking of Alcatraz scene is kind of cool. Like, oh, the, that's Ed amazing. Harris's, Ed Harris's squad. So, are those his children? Ed Harris's children who are with him uh, whenever they get there? Because Ed no. Harris has that line to the little girls, and it's just like, go back on the boat and tell them. No. Like, no, I think he just like baby drivers those kids of just like you guys. Yeah. Get get the fuck out of here! Yeah, he's because he's an honorable hero, Hunter. Yeah. And like, children. I do think the exposition is is just enough. I I it's a fair that's a fair take for sure. But I feel like it would have been worse if this movie were to just drop you in without like any time yeah. laid out for the conflict because there's a lot of moving pieces here, like. Cage is one thing. Connery is another thing. There's so much going on. Ed Harris is another thing. And I do appreciate the fact that the movie does take the time at the beginning to kind of set up all these pieces before we really get going. I was like, while watching it, I was trying to conceptualize how else you could handle it. Cause I was like, you got to cut down, but the movie's long and you need to know this shit. And I was thinking you could really just open on Ed Harris, like taking the rock and then him calling the government and telling them who he is and what he wants. But then you would miss the sweet shots of the funeral. That was <laughs> that to me. You and know, him he, getting dressed. Yes. Yeah. The cigar smoke. Um, a lot like of great, all of that a lot of great San Francisco B-roll in this as well. Okay, we got to talk about the car chase. The, 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 I fast forwarded through. You're going. You fast forwarded through it. Yeah, I um on this time through because I knew it was coming up, and I was like, nothing happens. And I you know-, know it's like thirty minutes long. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked by how long it was. I love it, dude. It's so long. I love every second of it. Like, give. I think that's a reshoot because there wasn't a. They needed another action beat, so I think they're like, just make this into a chase. That, oh, yeah, no, so and then the close-ups of Cage and Connery are just like the camera's just like shaking around. Apparently, it was a nightmare to shoot because <laughs> it's uh, not my ride. Like Bruckheimer and everybody else in the production side was just like, let's just shoot this in L.A. or shoot this somewhere else where we can like just do it quick and easy, and we don't need he's, a million. Yeah, and he's like, no, we need hills and trolleys. Yeah, and San Francisco, <laughs> they insist on doing. Bay and Sistan doing in San Francisco. They had to jump through a thousand hoops. They had to get a billion permits to go through all this. Yeah. And then they filmed it took longer. It pays off. It looks amazing. Like it's all there. The the car, the cars are really flipping. They really <laughs> hit they hit that water truck for real. I wish that if whenever I like I trolley, went over a hill, I wish my car would just sort of get like three feet of air. Yeah. The way that, that the trolley explodes and then goes 25 feet in the air. Yes, dude. It's Grand Theft Auto physics. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's a GTA. You're so right. This movie um, is a video game. It's also Bay projects are. I'm I'm sort of realizing that like most of my problems with the movie are just script stuff because also to introduce that ed harris has sieged alcatraz and then do a 30 minute detour where it's literally just cage and connery having a blast yeah like for 30 straight minutes like no no going back to it there's like in the middle of it there are two separate things where it just cuts to like a shot of ed harris like in alcatraz with hostages yeah the, the movie kind of abandons him is there any narrative reason they had to go to that hotel in the first place? 
because he wanted it. The, the haircut. He needed a haircut. Connery's like, I want to. I want a sweet. And they're like, okay. Connery's <laughs> like, I'm not wearing a wig for this entire movie. He is an escape artist. Yeah. And they're like, you can have a hotel. And then the way he 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 throws John Spencer off the balcony. That was sick. Breaks his <laughs> arm. That was cool. That was as amazing. Hell. It, it's it was really funny how the way that this like mega genius mastermind. Uh, gets away from all of these security guys is by giving them food. You <laughs> <laughs> can't help them. They're like, oh, turkey leg. They're like, I've never turned down free food before. <laughs> Where's that mega genius <laughs> whose job it is to get out of here? I also like I, in movies when you can tell they're not actually playing the music on set. Because <laughs> yeah. Sean Connery is just on his whole different planet he's like in the shower. two and a half seconds behind uh, the song, which shout San Francisco, Flowers in Your Hair, uh, which I just know from the movie Last Black Man, San Francisco, that came out oh, a couple years ago. That's a um, good cut right there. Yeah. So that, that movie was influenced Con- by um, Yeah, Rob. it was yeah. directly influenced. Connery is fucking amazing in this movie. Like, this is, this is pretty much Connery's movie. I, I think Cage is solid. Like Cage does a really good job, but I I just loved Connor and as he gets to drop like multiple F bombs. He is just He's so insane. swaggery. Like his, Oh man. His wig situation is so funny. Like I almost admire that they don't really try to be realistic in parts where you really think they would, where like, he, he has a perfect hairline when he has long hair. And then like, he's just Sean Connery and balding once he cuts it. Very funny. Also, during that long ass action set piece, the little old lady crossing the road <laughs> is the most obvious 30 year old woman, <laughs> stunt woman who's like definitely jacked under. She's wearing it's like a uh, SpongeBob grandma. It's like it's, what they would wear. You know, it's it's so like, yeah, this is a cartoon. You know, I expected Tom Lee Jones's two face to just be like, ha on <laughs> <laughs> yes, the scene. It's so nuts. I I. I feel like, I don't know, I really felt like this movie did a really good job of setting up the conflict and the stakes and being able to be, like, super heightened and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it was it's just perfect this perfect, this. it was this perfect blend of, like, I was still invested. Like, I still cared. Because a lot of times movies like this, like, when they get too out there and they start to do things that are, like, so, so unrealistic... You just check out and you don't really, you don't really care at all. And I, I did find myself like invested, you well, know, they also, they kind of started doing that like from the jump. Like, yeah. it's not like they threw some shit at you and you're like, whoa, I thought this was a very normal, serious movie. Exactly. Like, from the very beginning, you're like, this is going to be insane. <laughs> yeah. I, you are right that Con- this is Connery's movie because Connery has easily the best narrative arc from any kind of emotional care about yeah we have the scene even if it just it kind of makes no narrative sense uh, how he's just like yeah i'm on the run i'm just gonna stop by my daughter's real quick yeah see how she's doing i have like a manhunt out for me and you can tell because like 70 cop cars all show up to my location but and then and then they very tactfully let nick cage walk on be like hey buddy it's time to go back to the mission uh, <laughs> nothing wrong here i like that that was nice but also nice all the other moment. men in that scene want to murder sean connery and they're all like going along with it it's very funny um before we get because i think that at this point we're about to hit to the breaking into alcatraz um 
we've talked a lot about Nicolas Cage's uh, chemistry that he has had with the romantic leads in movies before. I'm not going to put it all on this poor woman who plays Carla because there's nothing really there for her. But her and Nick Cage have awful, z- like less than zero. It's chemistry. so bad. The thing do you, here's, do you have another take on that, Reed? Because I feel like it's pretty easy to say that she's. I mean, maybe it's not her. I, there, it's just not a good... It's definitely not her. It's the movie. Vanessa Marcel is her name. She was in, like, General Hospital and uh, 90210, a few other syndicated TV how shows. Are you, how stuff. are you supposed to pull a, a compelling performance out of, like, why don't you want to marry me? <laughs> like, that's her whole deal. Like, you know, like, how is she supposed to make that better? Legitimately, until today, I thought that actress was Vicky Valencorn from The Waterboy. <laughs> <laughs> But I I think I mean they just didn't give her anything and they yeah, didn't give him any. Like, you know, she's the throwaway girlfriend character. Yeah, pretty unfortunate. It, it's a missed opportunity. But it's still like I think that we've been on a run of Nick Cage actually having believable. Yeah, like Laura first one that doesn't uh, work. Um, with Leaving Las Vegas and like we've been on a run of movies where it's like the chemistry you can kind of buy it. This is. Uh, this is like Tom Cruise level of <laughs> sexual of lack of sexual chemistry. With a Laura. lot of it yeah. is definitely script stuff, and I would imagine, if you will, Michael Bay or Jerry Bruckheimer or whoever the fuck wrote this. It's actually the guy who wrote Double Jeopardy. Fun fact. Double Jeopardy's dope. Yeah. Um, imagine them interacting with their girlfriend. This is how it goes. They don't have anything in common with like any actual human being. They are robots designed to work and produce. Like this is how shit is for them. It probably is how shit is for Nick Cage as well. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to access emotions that you don't have. So it is funny talking. I just uh, while you're talking, I was looking on IMDb at the credits for this because there's a few people. um, The guy. who you were talking about, Douglas Cook, as the person who wrote the story, the guy who made Devil Jeopardy, the guy Mike Ros- Mark Rosner, who actually wrote the screenplay, um, like doesn't have any other movie writing. Wow. Um, this is literally the only movie that he's ever written. Some of his other credits include writing a couple episodes of Blue Bloods. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I, you know, Ironside. I, I was watching season break. five, episode seven the other day. I was like, this is this, this is the rock guy. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Tarantino worked on the screen. Tarantino, yeah, and, I heard he did a pass. There's rumors that, that Tarantino and Sorkin, again, <laughs> I don't really buy that because <laughs> this dialogue is the most unsorkin dialogue I, I've ever seen. No, well, I believe that the war room stuff, they would be like, who's done like military law jargon before? Mm-hmm. And the they did speech. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they brought him in, and I'm sure he did make a pass because there are a lot of exposition scenes, and they're not like the worst thing about the movie, you know, like. Um, but I'm sure it's just like it's like a once over pass. Yeah, they just like looked at it. They're like, yeah, that's fine. Because if they a million dollars, if they could give either of these guys any credit in the movie, they would because it would put butts in seats. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's it's a passing thing. I I think somebody said this. It might have been like Siskel and Ebert that the the needle in the heart is a Tarantino thing because Mm. of Pulp Fiction. Mm. I can see that. Yeah. So I don't so, know if that was actually Tarantino saying that or if they just kind of had to give him oh, credit because they were ripping him off. Here's something I bet. I bet Tarantino was involved when it was still a Tony Scott problem yeah. because he, you know, true romance, the mm-hmm. connection. Yeah. Uh, and they're just like homies. Yeah. Yeah. There's something there. I think Tarantino definitely wrote the line about fucking the prom queen. 
<laughs> like if he's like, yeah, yeah, just just put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm so glad that you have these ready for us because I I really want a good Tarantino. I feel like oh, it's embarrassing. Swinney, to... Swinney doesn't. Oh, Jake, really? I haven't heard him do a lot of impressions. He's so good at them; it's infuriating. Oh man, we we have him on next week for Con Air. Steven's Woody Allen is unbelievable. <laughs> yes! Oh my God, that was so. so I, uh, yeah, I I am so jealous of people who just have. I have like a couple, but they're not too on. much. Um. Anyway, though. Um. This call, is one of the. Wait, hold on though. I don't, our two leads. Is there a better impression two fister of all time in a movie? Mm. And Connery Cage and Cage Connery? together. Yeah. Mm. Is there like is a, a Schwarzenegger deal. and someone else who's on that level of voice? Stallone. Expendables. Yeah, Escape yeah. plan. Expendables is good because Morgan Freeman's in there too, and he's mm-hmm. very like you know. So Connery and Statham. Stay, uh, he's not. Hey, boy. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you deliver a line I'm, and I'm doing Carl Urban voice. Oh my god! Yeah, it's like, it's a if, Yeah, it's just like whisper growling everything. What about it. a Vin Diesel? He's yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. He's like Stallone on like Zans. <laughs> it's unfortunate that him and, and Bradley Cooper are like Rocket and Groot, and they're doing completely different voices. Because if it was them, if it was just, I wish Bradley Cooper was doing. Uh, his star is born, Jackson. Yeah. I wish he was doing like, uh, you're, you're Starler, you're fucking ugly. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry for that diversion. So I was going to talk about uh, Connery again, though, because I wanted to get your take on this read. Would you watch a John Mason series? Like, could we take oh. prequel, sequel, I think, I think it's like a sequel with him in Cage solving mysteries procedure. I just feel like that guy like has such a storied background. Like you, you can do so much. But if it's like a Bruckheimer CBS show, it's definitely the weird chemical guy with the old wizened escape guy. Yeah, and they like you know they infiltrate organizations. Blah, what blah. do you What do you think, Reed? I would want to. I think logistically, like the sequel would be produced quicker, but I'd be more interested in his history with JFK assassination. For some reason, I assume he interacted with DB Cooper. Like you can just put him anywhere. John Patrick. He was there. John Patrick Mason. It's pretty. Yeah, it's it's true. He his character is very like fluid. I feel like like he you see him and you have a full understanding of the guy. I feel like he it's just sort of like an instant iconic guy. Yeah, you know, I'd watch him escape from the rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just, just give me that out? movie. I'd watch yeah, that the first time because he says what it takes him like three days. He's underground and pitch waiting for the tide, waiting, like waiting for the Taj to come. Him, him doing like a TV documentary special about like, here's how I did it, you know, like like getting really deep into. Yeah, can we get like a making the murder, making a murder kind of style so, docudrama about? Apparently, in 2017, Michael Bay said that he had an idea for a sequel with Sean Connery running on the run, like a direct sequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying before. Is that they they had this idea. I think they talked about it in the commentary for The Rock, or maybe it was more of a recent thing that they put out. But yeah, that, that was a whole idea they wanted to do. And then it just like, 
Bay and Bruckheimer kind of never advanced it, but I, now it's too late to do a sequel. Well, oh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Connery. Yeah, I mean, even if they did it a couple of years ago, it would have been too late. You can't do a direct sequel where both of the actors are twenty years old. Well, so in well, this- I think also you lost John Spencer. That's and why he, the narrative he would have been about ago. Womack going yeah. after Mason. I, I do have to say I love John Spencer. I think he's great in West Wing, but Womack is the weirdest tonal character. Like yeah. he almost acts like a, a spurned lover of Mason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like he he loves he knows they need him and he like yeah. revere's him, but at the same time he's like oh, I hate that man. And you're like what the hell? It's it's very yeah it's very interesting uh, the dynamic there and it's you know it speaks to like the movie is sort of having a rough time figuring out where to stand on Ed Harris. <laughs> like, yeah. well, like, how do we want the audience to feel? What's a, what's appropriate to say? Cause you know, we want to be pro-military, but it, it's very interesting. Like I loved watching them grapple with it because it is like a very tough subject. You a, know, a bunch of the other FBI guys are portrayed to be idiots. You know, we already mentioned this, like all the other guys in the room, but uh, William Forsythe, like he, in that interrogation scene, like he is just portrayed to be like this doofus, you know, and then Cage has to come in and be even more of a doofus. But then he actually gets Connery to agree. Uh, and then Connery like uses the quarter. That quarter moment is so good, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he fashions a shiv out of a quarter just so that he can like break through the glass to be like, Walmart. Mm-hmm. I should have known you shut up a bitch. <laughs> Uh, William Forsythe, by the way, uh, in Raising Arizona, yeah. what was his name? Gail oh, oh. Glenn. He was a yeah. He was a um, uh, I'm one of his characters. He was now. yeah. He was he Goodman's was... sidekick. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah. He he aged into a, a Fed villain. Evel. He was oh Evel. Evel. Gail oh. was John Goodman's character. There we go. There we go. Is the very end of this movie a bit of a Coen Brothers nod? Raising Arizona. The, is that a dude, tiny his, bit of they are dressed similarly Cage's yeah. outfit at the end of this movie is a look and a half the, and i'm a fan of the it. car like just they, the they drove dog. into a coen brothers movie. yeah i don't know it's such yeah it's such, it's another such a movie. weird like tonal shift from the rest they, of the they movie. drove into peewee's big adventure <laughs> <laughs> yes okay let's let's get to the 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 yeah, Alcatraz. So they break into Alcatraz at the halfway mark of the movie. My guy, Michael Bean. I fucking love Michael Bean, dude. Aliens, The Abyss, Terminator. Obviously, he's Kyle Reese. God, what happened to this guy? I'm so sad he didn't have a bigger career. He's so good. He just got like market corrected like 14 different times, but I just love seeing him. He leads this SEAL Team Six down into the water. San Francisco Bay to the rock. By the way, I saw this thing on YouTube. Apparently there's a shot of them like on those little underwater buggy things, like flipping, flippering their way underwater. That's a miniature. They, they built, they built a miniature. Those aren't like real people swimming underwater. Oh, why? I'm sure they did get some shots of real people swimming underwater, but they took the time to build like an entire set with miniatures and everything. Probably, I mean, just a budgetary thing. That yeah, like, we can't afford to just shoot underwater for these scenes. That can't. That cannot be in. cheaper than just shooting underwater, right? 
I don't well, know. today it would just be CGI. Yeah. I don't know. It's also Bay Bay likes just doing really superfluous stuff for no reason sometimes. Like the the like where Cage is fucking his GF. Where, Dude, on the roof of an apartment. It's, it's, the, most, it's the most obvious interior set I've ever seen. Like you're like they're in a studio. Like that's a room, and it's supposed to be the outdoors. <laughs> Go ahead, Reed. No, it's just it's it, it's as obvious of a set as like Gotham Town Square. Like you're just like this isn't real. Yeah, it's like the yeah, it's like the you know the Seinfeld Street, yeah. like the street that every yeah. movie. And then you up. find out they're just been dry humping this whole time. <laughs> it's like Bay. That's the only you're, way. If you're in an R-rated movie, cream, <laughs> peach, peach sorbet persuasion. Is he trying to elongate it, or is he like hyping <laughs> himself up? I know. So I have That's so many question. questions about what is happening in that scene. Because you know he's turned on by the pigtails and goes naughty, naughty, naughty. Oh my god! I think this is the only way he can not. <laughs> he has to just list like creamy substances. Yeah, yeah, on his toes. Remember, it goes. It's yogurt on the toes. I think. I think he's one of those dudes that just like fried his dick nerves by <laughs> fucking like two pillows for his whole adolescence. <laughs> we we learned. So just like he has to do a Winter Soldier chant to make himself finish. <laughs> yeah, he has to program. If we learned in Vampire's Kiss that he likes bam, uh, that he likes yogurt on his toes. Yeah, to get in, off. in real life, the real Nick Cage to be turned on insisted on hot yogurt getting poured on his toes <laughs> during love scenes because because he, he was like he was overtly not attracted to the woman, so he was like, I, I gotta be really horny or else it's gonna be bad. So his his Winter I, Soldier code words are just like. Like Greek yogurt. Your and plate. he's talking about yogurt like substances. Do we, do we think that he actually is like getting peach sorbet poured on his He's talking about sorbet during that scene. He's, you can't see his full legs in that scene. This is crazy. Like this really, I didn't even make that connection. These are ad lines, obviously. They're not in this script. And he's talking about another. Maybe that maybe that was the, to the be horny. Maybe that was the Quentin edition. Quentin was just like, no, we got to add some more. We gotta Reed, add some Reed is so not into this information we're dropping on you. I I hate the fact that I now know he likes hot yogurt on his feet. I I hate that I know this. I hate you all for telling me this. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're hooking up with Nick Cage and he insists on that, I'm sorry, sweetie, but that means he's not attracted to you. <laughs> Reed, have you, attracted have you ever seen Vampire's Kiss? Uh, only the highlights on YouTube, not the whole thing. Okay. Huge recommend. Incredible First movie. of all, it's a masterpiece. There's a, <laughs> so the greatest movies ever made. There's a shot where he's like he's like having sex with this like woman who's supposedly a vampire. Um and Checks out. the the shot is framed like over the woman as a close-up of Cage's face. And you know in that moment off screen. There's got to be hot yogurt in this there's a, toast. There's a PA pouring <laughs> yogurt. <laughs> Mr. Cage, is this enough? No. So, <laughs> man, I, it's we can have a whole episode about that. His fetish. So, Reed, what do you on. what do you think of this whole breaking into Alcatraz sequence? Oh, I think the Crash Bandicoot sequence that Sean Connery has to roll through is just. Oh yeah, the the I flames. Like, I love you that this movie. At that point, I was just like, this movie is literally just a video game. Like I had that thought earlier on, and it's just like, we have to time the rolls to avoid the fire. 
It's amazing. And the swinging blades. <laughs> yes. oh, a nod to uh, Indiana Jones, Dr. Mm-hmm. Henry Jones. That is of, like Sean nods. Connery's movie for me. Like that's when I think Sean Connery, it's Papa Jones. Yeah, dude. Um, no, I don't want to think mean, about like, that too much because I'm going to cry just picturing him. You've got to let go. Okay. Indy, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> but I mean, it gets us the best line in 90s action cinema of Welcome to the Rock. I mean, Ooh, come on. That's yes. Camera just Welcome pushes in. Ooh. It's a bar. Uh, my man Bay is really good at those Dude. moments. He's, I would trust so him any, any line where they say the movie title. That's what Michael Bay was born to shoot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to do that with just a, a sweeping close up mm-hmm. into somebody's face. There's that one military dude who like gets his moment to shine with a big old Bay zoom. That one side guy who has this, he has this line where he like describes as they're like trying to recruit Nick Cage uh, and they're explaining like what the situation is. The, that guy gets the the moment to get the camera right up on his face. I was like, God damn, Bay doesn't, it's so unnecessary to do things like that. But he takes the time to do that and it just like elevates the movie that little bit, you know. Just a simple dialogue. I wish line. that every single time that somebody said the words "The Rock," they just always did that same mm-hmm. sweeping zoom to them. Even if it's like in the middle of a sentence, and then you zoom back out. So then we get a complete and total bloodbath. Yes. Just all of Michael Bean's squad is completely annihilated in the gulag. God damn! What a scene! Just so violent. I, in this moment, I was like, oh, shit, like, I didn't remember this movie being so violent. It's, it's almost too much. But then again, you know, it's not meant to be taken like, super seriously, and realistic. Um, But it just kind of, it kind of like jolted me back a little bit like, oh, wow, you know, we're not in a, we're not in a kids movie right now. Like, this is some dark shit. These guys just got murdered. And, like, the escalation of it, too, when he's like, I will not give that order! I will not give that order! Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he yells, cease fire. So, again, Ed Harris comes out, like, we're still sympathizing with him. He didn't want this to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still, you know, I, like, I, the whole time I was, like, it just, like, like, everyone's kind of awful. So, like, you know, I, you couldn't get too mad at any individual character, but like, yeah, they, they keep you on board. He isn't fully gone, gone. It's not yeah. like, you know, it, it's not that situation where like the rogues are like, whoa, chill out, man. Like he's still trying to maintain some level of composure. And I'm glad that by the end of the movie that he doesn't like break his little broken moral code that he gave for himself because I feel like a lot of other worst movies of like try and make him like, oh, he's a sympathetic person. But he was going to bomb all those people. It's just like, well, that kind of goes against like him being a sympathetic. He's no longer a sympathetic individual anymore. He, in the movie doesn't. He still like shouldn't have done anything he no, does in yeah. this movie. Like it's still like awful and psychotic. Sure, he was going to off that dad though. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like for sure, he was going to off that dude. Yeah. So the- well, that man hasn't served time for his country, so he kind of had. It that's coming. true. He is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He probably dodged a draft or something. Like he did something in his past. You guys are gonna have to to refresh me. Why don't they just give him the money? Because that's the it's beautiful about thing honor. about this about this country, Drew. Is in America we don't negotiate with. Terrorists. Okay, yeah. So exactly. 
Even him. It's the 24. Come on, man. Haven't you seen every season of 24 like I have? So the issue is Ed Harris should know that they don't negotiate with Terrace. It was his job it's, to do the opposite I, of negotiating. Well, <laughs> the central flaw of this movie is that. <laughs> yeah. That he knows everything about the government except for the one thing that everyone knows about the government. Yeah. He, the, yeah, well, that speaks to the fact that, like, I, I feel like he should be having almost more of a psychotic break to, to want to do anything like this. It's so crazy. What Especially he's because at the end, he says that, like, w- he thought they weren't going to take the bluff, right? He's like, yeah, we were bluffing and they called it. So yeah, now it's over. And it's like, wow, man. Wrap it up, boys. That's it. Yeah. All right. I believe. Did you guys find this movie to be like extremely pre 9-11? Yeah. Because <laughs> I could yeah. not get over that while watching this movie that like, yeah, this movie doesn't get made in 2002. So yeah, we're uh, sympathizing with the terrorists. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There's that whole thing. Like in, if this movie was made in 2003, it's much worse because it's just like, a very generic stereotypical and racist depiction of like a middle eastern terrorist who's taking control of alcatraz because yes. or hans gruber or hans gruber <laughs> exactly yes. yeah yeah some eastern european weirdo um so yeah they they get in i i was a fan of what all the just insane tension action stuff on Alcatraz. Yeah, dude, there's so many explosions. That's insane. They blow up the, they're like, we have to blow up the tunnels under the water. And so they just dive into the water. And then there's like fine. a mine cart sequence. Yeah, the Donkey Kong scene, which was weird. <laughs> <laughs> a little weird. It's, it's, it's just amazing. It's, like they're like, yeah, we're going to put that in this movie and you're going to buy and you're going to love it. It's, it's, it seems like an insane thing to do. And the fact that it works and you're like, oh yeah, there's totally like a Donkey Kong minecart. Why, mine why underneath is there a, the yeah, a giant made minecart maze underneath a prison? Like that just doesn't seem like that makes sense at all. Maybe it's, it's true. Even, you don't know. Also, so the engine there, I mean, even just wherever they get in there, the engines that are still like blowing fire and blades and everything that's still running, despite the fact that this has not been an operational prison for you years know, in you, the morgue. There's like, yeah, we still got to keep those fires burning in the yeah, morgue. You don't know, man. We don't know what we got to throw. We get a, a lot of tourists die here. Yeah. <laughs> um, one other thing that I love, uh, it's in the scene where, um, they are diffusing the first bomb and they get into that lab room is the shot of uh, Sean Connery throwing the knife into the dude's head. Like, and <laughs> it's, it's almost you like- You never hesitate. <laughs> <laughs> He's such it's a cool guy. Like, he just pulls out a knife and the camera just like tracks the knife going around. It's so good, dude. Yeah. God damn. This is, you're right that this is Connery's movie. Yeah. Like, it's- it's the one, it's one, it's a rare case where Cage is not even close to the one doing the most in the movie. Cause also Michael Bay is doing more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the whole movie is doing so much that like Cage almost fits in in a weird way, even though he's doing his own brand of, of weird, you know, I don't know. It just, it's a weird dynamic. I wonder if Michael Bay hates Nick Cage. He never worked with him again, right? Well, that's that's what I was mentioning at the beginning of the pod is like Nick Cage like has these he does one movie with like so many great directors. I don't think Michael Bay wants ad-libs. No. I think Nick Cage insists upon ad. I think they got away with it because Michael Bay, I mean, he made Bad Boys which was like 
pretty pretty well regarded whenever mm-hmm. it came out, but he was not Michael Bay yet. Nick Cage was coming off of an Oscar, so yeah. Nick Cage is like, I can do what I want in this. Reed, have, have you seen Bad Boys? I have. I've seen all three, actually. Oh, great. Um, yeah. Have you seen enough of Michael Bay's career filmography to kind of judge where this falls within well, I, it? I think this is definitely like he's figuring himself out so he might be more inclined to get kind of steamrolled by the bigger stars that he's working with but i mean by the time that he's like dealing with shia like (laughs) there's no way he's like no you have better ideas than i do (laughs) (laughs) yeah like the bay movies i've seen are so scripted down to the line that and also just because of his shot selection it almost has to be like it makes Mm -hmm. things a lot more complicated if you don't know how long this guy's going to be talking and your camera's moving like 70 feet yeah. <laughs> in one shot. I mean, one, one of the things that I appreciate this, about this movie so much is like, it just moves. Like once we're in Alcatraz, like mm-hmm. it just doesn't stop. Like it is nonstop it, action all the way to the end. It almost reminded me of like the five bloods where mm-hmm. like the first half, you know, you're sort of jumping around, like getting to know, it's not as severe as that. And then like, once you're in the jungle, you're there. Yeah, then. yeah. It's, it's intense. It's stylized. It gets violent. That's where my comparisons of these two movies will end. I, I was going to say, do you want to speak more on uh, the comparisons between Michael Bay and the Spike Lee um, film? Delroy Lindo <laughs> should have won an Oscar for The Rock. Um, so, it, I mean, is there anything else we want to say about this chunk? Because I want to get to the flares. We got to talk about um, the flares. Well, okay. So, I mean, you know, Cage and Connery get captured. We get the... Um, how in the name of Zeus's butthole did you get out of your cell? Yeah. I'll right. take pleasure in gutting you, <laughs> boy. <laughs> um, Trade secrets. I did have on here uh, that uh, the president of this movie says that uh, we are at war with terror. The Bill Clinton-looking mm-hmm. president of this movie. Mm-hmm. So beat George W. Bush to the punch. Oh. Did, I, I was just talking to Ernie. <laughs> Bay did it first? Yeah, Bay did it first. Hashtag Bay did it first. I, I was just talking to you about uh, W's... Uh, like off-screen sort of cameo in Transformers, remember? On Air Force One. Do we remember which? Is this in the first? Which, or, it's either the first or the second. I didn't watch beyond that. Okay. I think, it, I, I guess the second, because it's worse. And this is really <laughs> bad, but like he's literally on Air Force One while like there's, a, it's probably the second because there's a little robot sneaking around on Air Force One. So uh, I'm on Transformers Wiki I, <laughs> right now. What is this? Uh, George W. Bush, also known as W. You're just um, on George Bush's. He's in both. The first and the second. Well, oh, yeah. Because, yeah, it's not him. It, it's just like an off-screen line where he's like, hey, give me another thing of those Doritos. You know, he's, it's just <laughs> oh, like, no. Yeah, it's just like a line just to be like, it's got to be the first Bush one. Bush is funny, man. It's the first one because the and the second one that doesn't really say anything. I was going to say, I don't like I remember that distinctly and I definitely didn't see the second one twice. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. Um, it, the the government scenes work a lot worse for me than the Alcatraz stuff. Oh yeah, every time oh, yeah. He, because the Alcatraz stuff is like you were saying, or it's like it's so nonstop action, like bang, 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 here we go. It and fits. Then, it fits his shooting style more than anything. It mm-hmm. just kind of slows the movie down whenever we just get to there, moments where we have to cut away and just be like, ah, the president's ordering for us to for us to bomb Alcatraz. And if it, and it generally it felt like a lot of grappling. Like it felt like a lot of sort of redundant scenes almost where like they're receiving new information with, from the situation, obviously, but like, it's just a lot of like, 
he's a good man, but this is fucked up. Like just over and over and over. W said, uh, ordered Tracy to bring him some ding dongs. Bring, bring that's see, that's that's funnier that than that's right. a better specific. Yeah. Um, can we talk Did about the flares? Go oh, ahead. I, I just uh, one thing I want to point out is in the first half of this movie, and I'll say like the halfway point is when they get captured, like that's the beginning for act three and everything like that. Okay, uh, yeah. for the first half of Alcatraz, like they're both playing like the straight man to each other. But then something happens with Nick Cage once he gets caught where he's just like, well, I'm just going to be silly now. Yeah. And like, that's when he starts doing like all of his voices and like he's joking with John and like, it's just, I felt this 180 happen and I don't know why it happened. I'm happy it did because this is the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> I think but I was just kind of like, I, I don't think. It's because scenes like that kind of require you to just play it really down the middle. And Cage really refuses to do that. Like well, he, he won't do it no matter how much he should. I, so uh, like a weird guy in a situation like this would get weirder. Maybe I would argue that it actually kind of happens a little bit before then. I would say that like the scene where you realize that like everybody's been murdered except for Connery and Cage uh, I'm sorry, Goodspeed and Mason. <laughs> Good. Um, they got a lot of mileage out of Goodspeed, by the way. It's I, I enjoyed that. It's the most like save the caddy type name it, I've yeah. ever heard. But the 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 kind of like moment when you realize that it's like the two of them left, that's kind of like when it really starts to turn into like a little bit of zanier cage. So I think <laughs> I know the exact moment where it flips, uh, like looking through my notes of uh, caged lines. And uh, it happens right after they do, like, escape it. It's just the two of them, and they're, like, walking around the sewers, and they're, like, screaming at each other so loud so that everybody in here, like, they're not being, Cage is just not being discreet at all, and he has the whole line of just like, look, I'm just a biochemist. Most of the yeah. time, I work in a little glass jar and lead a very uneventful life. I drive a Volvo, a beige one. <laughs> but what I'm dealing with here is one of the most deadly substances the Earth has ever known. So what say you cut me some freaking slack? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that line, I think, speaks to why the cage is sort of an issue in this movie. Because that line is clearly from an, an early rendition of the script before Cage made the guy weird. So he's driving a beige Volvo. Uh, Cage's apartment is not a beige Volvo guy's not apartment at, no. at all. In fact, at the end of the movie, we see what kind of fucking thing he's driving. And, and we see him drive a Ferrari or whatever that is, yeah. and he rocks it. So, yeah, so that... It's it's a script that to me seems like it did have a lot of passes. And also Cage maybe is doing too much to change his character when you can't change every single line. Okay, so they defuse all the bombs except for one and he has to find the last bomb. Um, there, I guess there's that whole sequence with like the fake bomb, the, not the fake bomb, but the one bomb that gets like turned around and misses the football field yeah, and goes in the ocean. Yeah, that Ed Harris is actually a good guy and actually military is pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty cool and you should enlist. And I'm surprised <laughs> that the movie does not end with like a 1-800 member to enlist in the army. <laughs> it does. It does actually. It's <laughs> at the very end. It's, it's like, yeah, by the way, we forgot to tell you that uh, you got, you're, you're uh, obligated yeah. to uh, at least give them a call. this was cool? Wait till you get an active combat. Yeah, they, if they you don't enlist you if you watch it. They, it's not this is the choice. original one of those army ads that's like, 
programmed to look like a new Call of Duty uh, game, Dude, and then it just are, turns out to be an yeah, army th- ad. Those are fucked. Uh, it's yeah. just their VR. It's their VR training system. It's like, hey, They're check like, it out. You'll do this every day, except you will shoot uh, women and children who are hips. It, it's not. Yeah, it's not going to be this epic CG thing. It's going. It's American it's Sniper. Actually, <laughs> it's yeah. You're on this jarhead. Yeah. Oh shit. Um, this is my gun. So thanks. They have to find the final. <laughs> Come on, guys. You remember Jarhead? Come on. Jarhead. That 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 hey, it's a, it's a so beautiful sad. looking movie. So they have to find the last fucking <laughs> rocket, and they find it. And the uh, cage is confronting uh, this marine. And uh, he says, uh, are you familiar with the Elton John track, Rocket Man? At, at that point, they're... Because it's you. You're the Rocket Man. <laughs> and then, yeah, then he shoots her out the fucking window. <laughs> says, with the rocket. Listen, I, I think we got started off on the wrong foot. Uh, Stan Gunspeed, FBI. Uh, let's talk music. Do you like El- the Elton John song, Rocket Man? I don't like that soft-ass shit. Oh, you... Uh, oh, oh, oh. Well, I only bring that up because uh, it's you. You're the rocket man. Click, click, crash. Yeah. Shoots him out the window. Impaled. How do you like how that shit works? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, amazing. Amazing. Uh, American cinema has sad. never it's been. It's the greatest by the, shit. By the time that Cage brings up Rocket Man, there have already been like four shots framed. So the rocket is pointed directly at the guy where you're like, well, he's going to use that rocket. <laughs> Four different also, dynamic shots where the camera's moving in a different direction. He got launched. He got, yeah, he got launched. He also didn't get like obliterated by it. He just got pushed into the ocean. <laughs> he's, he's probably <laughs> fine. Yeah, he like no, he, he gets a uh, he gets impaled. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, that's Which, that that yes. rock star. Just have the rocket go through him then. Yeah, that is you're right. That is a gnarly, the, the, gnarly yeah. shot of him like being suspended by this pole going th- straight through his body. Yeah, he got kebobbed. God damn. I have a damn. question about, um, if we can talk about the ecological fallout from uh, these rockets, because they're like, mm, it's multiple fine. Ones. The people are saved. They didn't die. It just um, went into the it ocean. Went to, it went into the water. It's going to kill all these all these fish and all this aquatic life that we have. And also, this water is poison now. <laughs> Like, all like the time, don't worry about it. All the People time, are alive for now. All the time that's devoted to saying, like, how deadly this bioweapon is. <laughs> yeah, no, so... No, we're just going to shoot it into the ocean. It's just, like, a toxic <laughs> wasteland right now. It's, like, Godzilla is rising up out of San Francisco Bay. Right that's now. the sequel. That's it's the also, sequel. like, no disrespect to the ocean, but, like, kill 70,000 people or drop it in the ocean. I think it may it maybe should have just been an objective of the mission to like throw it in the fucking ocean. <laughs> like if they're really as ransom, it's like we're gonna no bomb no no the ocean. an objective of Connery and oh hey, gotcha like it gotcha. should have been like hey as a backup like it, it, this can just go yeah. in the water no but don't worry they these fun little microchips all you have to do is just take yeah, them and just smash them on the ground them. and you're good and then you're good yeah they can't they can't destroy anything i don't right know now. i'm i'm thinking way too hard about this movie i know it's it's really <laughs> it's counterintuitive it's a very dark night rises kind of ending of just like man thank god that didn't happen on land yeah, <laughs> yeah. we solved it <laughs> it just goes kaboom in the distance and we never have to think is, about it again okay timeline wise 
it kind of makes sense if this is what creates bikini bottom okay. oh my god it creates like just that's toxic wasteland is what it is the pacific yeah yeah because you know there is a pretty incredible theory that it's the bikini bottom is from the bikini atoll and it is a result of nuclear testing amazing i i need you to follow this theory down this is my new still this is a whole podcast yeah Yeah. (laughs) this is a a mini series yeah so uh you want to talk about the flares well okay so here's what happens so the government uh, nay, the military are saying our boys are compromised. We need to we need to carpet bomb them. We need to level this island. So we're going to send in fighter jets to this location that has this bioweapon, but that doesn't matter. Hostages doesn't matter. We got to kill them. We got to level this thing. So we're going to we're going to we're going to send our boys uh, to drop these weapons. And yeah. uh, Nick Cage is in the nick of time has stabs to, himself in the heart and because well, he's exposed he's exposed to the bioweapon why didn't we call this series the nick of time Ooh, that's thought can we read good one. now we're that's like halfway one. through the series but that was that's we bought a nick of time um <laughs> that's that's busy <laughs> <laughs> so uh he has to set up the green flares is it Whatever flares say that, yeah, hey, they're, they're, they're we're good, him. mission accomplished. Him doing that in painful slow motion. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's so awesome. And we get these jets just very, very closely missing. Also, why are you flying the jets so close to your target where you can barely pull up at the very last second yeah. and miss your target? I, I like that they did like still drop like it would have just been a little even for this movie it would have been a little too much of it like very last microsecond they don't drop the bomb like mm-hmm. they still did and he's like oh they shit did. i just Nick did yeah, sorry yeah. Nick just just dead as fuck in real life when the, like he gets exploded like the bomb goes off like 15 feet away from him that dude is so dead but instead he just like his body propels like 50 feet he gets, amazing. He gets saved in the water by god yeah it's amazing that scene is un connery <laughs> saving him is is sick it like it like certain scenes watching this i was like okay this just rocks so hard. yeah read thoughts on like the needle and the flares and the explosion uh cinema <laughs> but i um all that's dope i rolled my eyes a little bit because after he kills a rocket man instead of staying in that guarded bunker he goes to the roof where he can then be shot so like the logic's not there for me on that um nah man i I, goosebumps for the super slow motion flare run like that's great masterful and then uh, he's a genius he's just unappreciated but i also like when he's floating in the water and then you hear the sean connery good music and you're like oh Everything's going to be okay, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Hear that little flute chime in, and you're like, ah, yeah. Ah, there's that lute. Those jets were CGI, by the way. Those were not real jets. Wow. A lot of it was uh, um, stock footage of the F8, F-18s. I don't know. But the one shot, like the money shot of him holding his arms out with the flares and the jets flying over, um, that's, a, that's a composite. That makes sense. The way that was shot and edited reminded me of Tony Scott's way of shooting, of like going to the people on the bridge yeah. with yes. uh, binoculars and just like that really quick kind of cut. I was like, 
okay, I can see the bones of like what Tony Scott would have done here, but it's uh, Nick Cage did his platoon moment and it was dope. Yeah, it <laughs> Tony is. Tony Scott would have insisted that Tom Cruise is actually the fighter pilot and Tom Cruise would have been like, but first I will learn how to fly a fighter pilot for this one scene that I'm in. So they they get him, like shit gets solved. Connery, dust in the wind. Mm-hmm. That rules. I, yeah. I I love that so yeah. much. Vaporized. I, yeah, I, I love that more than anything <laughs> ever. Nick Cage is like, yeah, people get vaporized. Yeah, for sure. happens. And it's almost as if, like, it, it, he's, like, telling, like, the movie audience. And the audience is like, yeah, that's probably an excuse you could actually use mm-hmm. with the government. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's good Checks out. You, could, you can't just say he was vaporized. It's it rocks hard. So and then yeah, then the movie ends with uh, him and his wife just married, and they find the the hollow leg of the church, and they're off on a national treasure adventure. I love the line where uh, they send him. He's just like, oh yeah, go to like Fort Wayne, Kansas. Cage is just like, uh, I was thinking Maui. Just like no, go to Kansas. So Um, oh, one other uh, fun fact that I wrote down here that I wanted to bring up that Cage and it makes a lot of sense in his performance. uh, Cage uh, showed Bay and Bruckheimer Jaws to highlight Richard Dreyfuss's performance to say like I want to do Richard Dreyfuss in Jaws. That's cool. And that Mm -hmm. sound like that really tracks so much for much of the movie because Richard Dreyfuss is like the straight man, but also he has a lot of the best like quips and liners in the movie yeah he the only thing missing is like his character doesn't say enough smart things i in my mind i guess like where drape is really like it's a better written movie so like he says like credibly intelligent things about sharks um and nick cage is saying a lot of jargon yeah um but that's not nick cage's fault he's not going to rewrite like you know busy lines i'd live more also i did confirm arnold schwarzenegger was off with the role of cage's character oh. um but that was very early on apparently the script was only 80 pages with a lot want. of handwriting and scribbles and it didn't seem fully baked but now arnold schwarzenegger has since said that he regrets not taking the role um i'm glad that he didn't take the role because that's a worse movie. no that's so... oh, i'm a bioweapons engineer oh, i'm awkward <laughs> come on it's vinyl. It sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Schwarzenegger is a Beatles. It would just, it would, it, it would be, be, it'd be, it'd be very similar to um him in uh, Total Recall when he's like, just like a jackhammer guy. Like, he's like, I don't know. I think, I guess, I think there's more in life. <laughs> You're like, this guy doesn't think anything. I want to be a secret souls agent on Mars. On Mars. <laughs> yeah. Get your ass to Mars. Yeah, he's like, you know, I want to go on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> he's living in the coolest apartment ever with Sharon Stone as his GF. He's like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not fulfilled. Oh, call the marriage police. <laughs> <laughs> pull over, pull over. <laughs> oh, am I getting a ticket? <laughs> can, can you imagine when he's doing the nerdy interrogation and he's like, you know, King Richard said this, and he's like, oh, an educated man. <laughs> Him getting scared by Sean Connery and being like, ah. By the fact he has like literally double the amount of muscle mass that fucking Sean yeah, Connery he, had he at his vaporized. Sean yeah, Sean Connery like takes his handgun from him 
He's like, oh, I don't know how to handle it. He's like, oh, oh, I'm the chemical guy. (laughs) I kind of do want to see that now. Um, Should we get into the cage gories? So there's two quick things I wanted to see before before, uh, the cage gories. So I just wanted to reiterate my point about like the seeds being planted for what Michael Bay would do later on. Like that's one of the Mm -hmm. things that fascinated me the most about this movie, like the bayhem of it all, you know? The, the American flags, the shaky camera, the explosions, the hyper violence. But most of all, like I mentioned, he knows how to frame a shot. He knows how to compose a fucking shot, like so much energy and movement. And I got a lot out of that. Like, I love, love, love how this movie kind of looks and feels and, and the energy. And the other thing I noticed is the set design. There's a lot of really cool set design in this movie that is not meant to be realistic uh at all and it just has much like the camera movement like this visual distinct quality um it does kind of come off a little 90s yeah little 90s but i think that like the maximalism of bay uh it there's this artistry to it i think it works really really well here you know there's that shot of the bathroom that looks just like grimy as hell where cage is just like realizing what's about to happen he's like puking in the sink yeah and it, the, there's oh, like yeah. green light blasting through the window and it's flickering and there's no bathroom that ever looks like that unless you're in some underground hallway in hogwarts on uh, moaning myrtles there um but otherwise like it's just straight up a michael bay set um so we have these cagegories read so um I don't know uh, how much you'll be able to do on the fly, but I know I'll be doing them on the fly. Did you guys prepare anything? Um, I I've been doing few, all of these on the fly. I wrote down a few of them for lines. And yeah, for, I feel like you've uh, said moments quite a bit. Um, so the first category is best quote. Okay, so I have a few of them. Um, do you have can, one off the top, Reed, or do you need a moment? Because Hunter uh, always writes them down. Or do you? I, I'm it? going through like a Rolodex. Do you pull up the IMDb? Here, I'll, uh, yeah. I, I, I just wrote a few down for a few different The IMDb, the IMDb and, like, doesn't have, like, any, like, actual... Yeah. No, because you have to look through, because a lot of them are Connery quotes yeah. and stuff like that. So I, I made, like, a this little This is quick Connery's list. movie. You can, uh, you can feel free to add some if you, uh, think of some other ones. Uh, the first one is, uh, well, first of all, it's because I'm a Beatles maniac. <laughs> and second, these sound better. Um, I love that one. Um, I love pressure. I eat it for breakfast. Uh, just because of the amount of times that he says it during the movie. What do you say we cut the chit-chat, a-hole? It's <laughs> a good one. I like that one. Stanley um, Goodspeed, man. What a guy. Uh, Voila, the- champagne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but- yeah, the Voila champagne. I forgot to write that one down. That's a really good one. Um, uh, I had, well, this is... Uh, the best cage line, also probably the worst cage line because of the things that we were talking about, how it's an early script thing, but the beige Valdo line, freaking mm-hmm. slack. Um, <laughs> this one I wrote down just because it made me laugh the way that Cage delivered it. Uh, when he like comes in on um on the, I think that this is early on. I think this is like wherever Connery is still going around. And he says, FBI, free sucker. <laughs> It just made yeah. me laugh. It just made Connery's me laugh. walking away underground and he's like, all right, fine. You want to play it that way? Let's play it that way. FBI, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what about when he steals that motorcycle from the guy on so the that's, street? That's, I have that in the cage moments, but that can also go in here, uh, where the Kevin Baker says, like, hey, man, you just fucked up your Ferrari. Nick Cage says, it's not mine, and neither is this. And then just takes his, his little bicycle. Right. It's got to, for line and moment, it's him having sex. So that's, yeah. I put that in the moments. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> Uh, it's outrageous. A couple other lines is that how in the name of Zeus's butthole did you get out of your yeah, cell? Yeah, that's so good. I think I think I guess moment. It has to be him. Fuck. That's the most caged that's... moment in the movie easily. Um, and it's then, literally his fetish. Yeah. And then the last one is the Rocket Man line. That that's mine. That's my quote. Man. I love that shit. That's so good. That is. It's uh, you. Uh, you're uh, the Rocket Man. Well, uh, uh, I only bring it up because I. Uh, you're the rocket man. <laughs> it's the way that he like wow. st- stammers out the line, like he can't actually get it out. Do you have hey, a pick Jeff Goldblum's it? Yeah. Oh, you have God. A best I real I think uh, it's not my ride was pretty great, but I mean, Zeus's butthole or the just him yelling, "I'll take pleasure in cutting you, boy," makes me laugh. and he's like he's doing different inflections like he's just playing with it i I, for some reason that just makes me laugh because then it comes to sean connery just pissed off up above him (laughs) connery has some great ones like when when he's getting the haircut he's like it's a grunge thing (laughs) that no he he well i get yeah he says it because he's repeating what cage told him yeah 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 yeah. that that was actually another funny moment is is cage like (laughs) He's starting to get into grudge and then being like, yeah, yeah, never mind, you know, and then he just leaves. Um, and cut off a man's testicles with clippers. Yes. What? All right, best best moment. <laughs> I for me, it's the sex scene. It's just that that scene is that. But uh, I mean, like my pigtails. Oh yeah, the, the pigtails, very naughty. Naughty, naughty. You're doing Ever. Connery. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? You're doing Connery. <laughs> no, he says he his inflection though in that scene is different than anywhere else in the movie. He goes like naughty, naughty, he, naughty. Well, a thing I really almost respect about him is he really genuinely does like acting class exercises in movies. That's like what Vampire's Kiss is. It's him doing 1920s style, like a cartoonish vampire acting. And it's like, you can see it as almost disrespectful. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure a lot of uh, filmmakers do. Uh, And in addition to that, the fact that he insists on doing things this way. Like, if I were the Coens, I would not work with him again. You know, like he... he, Pain in the ass. Yeah, he's annoying as shit. So my my moment has to be tied into the Michael Bay of of it all. It's the flares. It's Nick Cage holding the flares and then getting blown up and getting sent across the fucking island into the water like it's really a it's really a bay moment but that's that's my pick because it yeah. is cage holding those flares i and have looking slow motion as fuck i have three favorite moments in this movie two of them are sean connery and that's when he calls room service he's like yes room service do you snacks drinks <laughs> that gets me uh after he kills a sniper on the roof and like nick cage looks at him he just goes we did a thumbs up for the <laughs> listeners um connery ordering room service also made me laugh because you don't know what he's gonna do so you're like is he just gonna like ball out like a 
child's wish fulfillment movie like is he just yeah kinda, is he like, just doing blink check or yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> he's gonna have a swag night like home alone 2 style large cheese pizza just for me yeah <laughs> but uh for nick cage moment i mean yeah it's it's him having the weirdest on-screen sex i've ever seen in any movie but again you find out they're just dry humping that's what's great <laughs> it's not it's, <laughs> that adds to it he's like michael I'm not having sex with this woman, even for pretend. I'm right. <laughs> we need to clearly show that there's there not enough no yogurt in the world. <laughs> 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 the woman is just like so demoralized; she never works again. Jesus, that's so dark. Yeah, <laughs> they just cover her in yogurt. That's so why she doesn't have any <laughs> He has like a Everybody '90s automated foot bath, just full of yo plate, and he's like, "It's, just, it's not going to work." <laughs> I, I think. If I could go back in time and I, I had one destination I could choose, one in all of human history, it would be the moment in his sexual development that spawned this weird fetish. Yeah. It would be like him him as a kid. You would be scarred for he, life if you yeah, saw that. You would like, also have the same sexual he has fetish. Some, like, he has some like teacher with like huge tits that's like forcing him to finish his yogurt at lunch or something. You know, that's the moment I want to go back to. <laughs> We need that in the Cage movie. There's that Cage movie coming out that he plays himself. We need like a flashback sequence. Yeah, his uh, Honey Boy. Yeah, right. It's it's in, and the teacher's played by a Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. What are you gonna say, Reed? I'm, I have nothing to say. <laughs> no, Reed, give us give us a good five minutes on your thoughts. <laughs> Just imagining like if he's at like. A frozen yoga place and a, it's like him and tarantino are sitting there and tarantino points out this girl's fleet in sandals and he's like yeah yeah okay but then he <laughs> drops the frozen yogurt on his face he goes oh god yeah he's like Gia leone like, <laughs> he, he was already into yogurt but he wasn't into feet yet and then it's he like did. hey it's like a reese's scenario yeah, with he combined <laughs> chocolate hey, and peanut your, butter your fetish on my fetish no you got your fetish on my <laughs> and then they had the oh, most yeah. disgusting threesome of all time <laughs> yeah. just the dirtiest like tarantino on cage oh yeah God. he was like can the yogurt be blood colored <laughs> <laughs> woof so what's the best cage moment for you guys it's this, <laughs> it's that it's that it's just that i can still tell man i'm out here on flair island well, that that's a bay moment. This yeah, thing. it's not a cage. Moment. I know, but let me have this. No, I know. It's just we can have this. We don't need to come to a consensus. What's what's next? Good cage or bad cage? Great. I I'd say good cage. this is like okay cage. Well, we've just it's we've, fine. We've been on the hottest streak of cage ever. Yeah, like we've been watching like movies where it's perfect cage, mm-hmm. and this isn't. I think he does add to the movie. I yeah. Think he's so added the it. thing is that I think he's this is bad. good cage, but this is lower on the cage scale. How many cages out of ten is this? This I think that this is only like a three. Good. I, I'd say like it's a four it's, or a five. It's good cage, bad fit. Yeah. How's that? I think that the, I kind of like the fit though. I feel like this movie is. We're going to talk about where we get to um, recaging couch in just a second, but like. It's tough. This this one is a tough one to find a different person who can. Be like kind of play the smart guy, but be an action star and well, also be you, zany. You also have to think about what this character is without Cage's involvement. It's a less, it's less eccentric. It's still weird and awkward. You know, mm-hmm. where where would you put this on the Cage scale, one to ten? Read. 
is I feel like Abed because it's it's not a well it's not like an adaptation or anything where you're like yeah he really is like making this character and like he's transforming but at the same time he's he's playing the Nick Cage persona that we'll develop so it's yeah. like the same of like is Thor Ragnarok good Goldblum or bad Goldblum it's like well it's just Goldblum so I'd say this is I'd give this like a six on the cage scale because he yeah. definitely like has moments where like he has some of the Al Pacino's heat coke hey mm-hmm. hell yeah and mm-hmm. that's awesome but it, like he I mean he sticks to the the plot he drives it forward he's a good narrator yeah um the the first thing I wrote down is uh, like that I noticed about him in this is he's a lot more polished as an actor at this point like he he's really good at cheating to the camera in a very like bay friendly way with his all of his movements um like he, you know, for all he's doing for just his own choices, like he is making choices with the direction of the movie in mind. Um, so I did appreciate that. It's just, are we saying like, is the scale is maxed out just like Cage going nuts, or is it him being great? Yeah, like how much yeah, of his yeah, pure like Vampire's self... Kiss is a ten out of ten Cage. It's oh. just like how crazy is he? Oh, in that case, I'm below five for sure. It's, yeah, that's what I said. I said low. it was like a three because I mean he has his yeah. moments, but like this is not. It's good cage, but it's not crazy cage. Like it's yes. not like cagey cage. And that's and that's kind of what we were talking about last week with leaving Las Vegas. Is like, what do you want going into the movie? You know, what where are your expectations in what you want from Cage? Because my whole thing with leaving Las Vegas is that that's like almost a zero on the cage scale because of the the preconception of it it's it's an it's an amazing academy award-winning performance but in in like what you want from cage and cageness this is a very ill-defined category first of all because leaving las vegas i had it higher up because it's like well he's making choices throughout this entire Mm -hmm. movie so it's but it's not like it's different it's it's just it's different yeah, <laughs> this is we're never going to actually hammer down what this category means. <laughs> I, I consider like Caster Troy to be a 10. Yeah. Oh, I cannot wait, dude. I'm I very jealous of the person wait. who got face off. Oh, who's got be... that Nicolas Cage would outlast John Travolta's career, like between the two of them. Yeah, it's insane. True. Yeah, I don't it's it's weird because Travolta is someone who you would invite to present an Oscar over Nick Cage. Yes. Even though Travolta is way worse of an actor, even as peak, um, he's just more like Hollywood friendly. Where Nick Cage, when he goes rogue, like he's like off the grid for a year or whatever. Um, he's such a fascinating guy. I'm so glad we're doing this. So our last category is recaging couch. So we're essentially trying to figure out if it's possible to replace Nicolas Cage with any actor and still have a solid movie so like how would it change it's, it's who could you slot in it's a lot more possible with this movie than most because this is a bay movie over anything yeah. well that's that's what i was gonna say i wanted to pull from bay's roster here so w- what are we thinking with shia labeouf um it would be terrible right I, yeah yeah well if we're going age appropriate my first thought and you guys might laugh at this it's definitely a different movie because i think that he takes it a little bit too seriously but tom cruise in this era of tom cruise jerry Maguire. i could era of tom see cruise. it it wouldn't be horrible he would be pretty cool with sean connery i'd yeah. love to see that like i just those two scenes of the two of them bouncing off yeah. of each other i just want that and, you know who i would love oh will smith 
I thought of Will Smith too because this is right before Independence he's, Day. He's like it's, so that would be so he's good. Not, he's, he's way too, too cool. It's yeah, like it's, yeah. um, like you saying Goldblum got me a little interested because you you kept saying him earlier, Reed. Like, and I was like, could Goldblum maybe? He could. Goldblum's never your your main guy. He's not an action star. He, but like. I don't know. Like with the amount of actions that's just in this movie, not even just involving him, I think that he would be a better choice than most. If we get Goldblum transforming into a fly person by the end of the movie, then I'm on board. I think the the easiest answer for me is, I mean, like coming right off the of speed, put Keanu Reeves in this. Okay. Okay. Keanu, I think, can play aloof pretty well mm-hmm. he's not and just he can like, play a lab rat too yeah he's yeah. not just like like always cool like even though like now we think of him that way he, he could draw the beige of all though yeah his energy is so different from cages though like he brings he brings a a, a entirely different like way more quiet and subdued mm-hmm. energy to his roles um, I, I, do, Volvo. <laughs> I kind of like Keanu, even if that is just a very different movie at core. Mm-hmm. What about another person I thought of going to the Michael Bay? Well, he is a definite worse actor and a worse human being. But what about Mark Wahlberg? Late 90s Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, that's crazy. Late 90s Mark Wahlberg know, is man. like a little hottie. Like well, okay, so we'll take like Boogie mid Nights to late 2000s Mark Wahlberg. Dirt, Dirt Dickler. And like put him into this movie. Hey, yeah, I'm a scientist. <laughs> I, I have never. I'm an inventor. Not not once have I ever thought he was smart in anything. But what if what about what Transformers happened? when he says that he's an inventor? Yeah, you got to take up an interest in science. Optimus. <laughs> no, I would hate to see that. No, uh, Ben Affleck. No, he's too he's too serious. Even at this point, is um young Dustin Hoffman. Maybe I mean like thirty year old. I mean, really, one of the best answers is Richard Dreyfus. Uh, we just have to know, get. Yeah. We have to transport Richard Dreyfus twenty years, and then yeah. that's Jaws. Richard Dreyfus could Michael do it. Sarah. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Mason, sir. Uh, uh, you're, mm. you're, you're you're the rocket man. <laughs> I mean, like that's, that's okay. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, let's see who else I can pull from other Michael Bay movies. Krasinski. John Krasinski. No. Are you looking at 13 hours right 13 now? Hours. What are you doing? Get out of 13 hours. Ewan McGregor. Ewan could be something. Ewan is interesting. Ewan is very just like sort of whatever. Like, Ewan is a really good actor, though. Um, I have God, never God, been very that. impressed. He, I mean, he's a theatrical guy. Like, he does theater. Yeah, he, I, he is a really I know, good I'm actor. just saying in a movie, I've never been like, wow, like, this is really interesting what he's doing. Reed, uh, somebody hasn't watched the prequels. <laughs> Reed, you have you have thoughts on the island? It's bad. <laughs> okay. I, that's a so, bad movie. I thought I'm it was fine. fine. I have never even heard of it until like I was look, doing research for this. And I'm so fascinated by this. It seems like it should be like, if we're going like big budget, it should be at the very least like a uh, Verhoeven or something. Hmm. It was it's so huge, not big. It was a huge flop. Like it had a massive bo- budget and it flopped hard. It's crazy that that movie comes like 
Michael Bay is on this unbelievable run of, even if they're quality films, very successful movies with Bad Boys, The Rock, Armageddon, Pearl Harbor, Bad Boys 2. And then he makes The Island and people are like, what is nah, this? And then good. two years later, he makes Transformers, which was the yeah, biggest yeah. movie of the year. The Island is way too high concept for like the audience that Bay attracts. He's very restrained in his Bayisms in he, this movie. I That's, not- he's almost making like, he's almost making like Minority Report it's like he's trying to be like Spielberg a little bit. I think he had no idea how to be around Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah, he was he, he was a mess. The plot synopsis for this movie sounds interesting. It the, doesn't the sound sy- like a Bay movie. Yeah, the plot synopsis no. is a man living in a futuristic sterile colony begins to question his circumcised his circumcised. <laughs> Well, a little, a little Freudian slip there. His circumstantial <laughs> existence when his friend has chosen. No, that's to be well. That's, that's just the uncovered. <laughs> Come on, guys! Come on! Uh, I, I read. I read a, a sterile colony, and then just you know, I got in the brain. <laughs> Amazing. Um, wow. it, it, that's that's way more. Again, if we're in this style of Bay, this is a Verhoeven movie. It's about like questioning authority and everything being a sham and blah blah blah. The the twist in this movie is wild. Do you, do you guys know the twist in this movie? I, you know, no, there's actually like just tell me a, a good a good cast. On this just movie. just give, give me the twist. All right, listen. Uh, spoilers for the island. If you don't want to know the 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 twist of this movie that is 16 years old, uh, see you next week. Um, they're all clones. Yeah, they're all clones, and they have a counterpart in the real world that is using their clone as a organ bank. It's basically my sister's keeper, but in the future. Yeah, mixed with us. I don't even. Yeah, (laughs) I don't even remember anything else about this movie. I remember enjoying it for what it was. I have it a three out of five stars on Letterboxd. Yo, speaking Mm -hmm. of fucking. Uh, movie names. The writer of this movie is named Caspian Treadwell Owen. That's amazing. man. The third. Yeah. Um. Before we get off of recaging couch, do we want to mention if Sean Connery's role could maybe fit anybody else? Because I feel like he is so good in this movie that it would be kind of egregious to put anybody else. Who in is it. who can do like that wild card, but also like the charisma of a movie star because that eliminates anthony hopkins anthony hopkins is just scary bruce willis i think harrison ford could probably pull it off harrison yeah harrison ford now can do it Um, yeah exactly that's somebody of like that vein who has because the whole thing with sean connery is he can play action star but he plays washed up action star like liam neeson is the worst version of that yeah Oh, the only other uh, Bay guy that I left off is the guy from his latest movie, Six Underground, Ryan Reynolds. No. Uh, How awful would this movie be with Ryan Reynolds? So he's not in the Bay Mm. camp, but uh, another person I put down on here um, was, and just think about this one before you outright reject it, 1997 Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, I mean, that man, that man... I don't know about sauce back then. He could do a lot. Did he I do action he movies? Re- no, but I think that this, like, he could have made this work. He could have even been, like, fucking Ed Harris or something. Like, yeah. That, that guy. Oh, yeah. 90s, That's better. I like that better. 90s Cuba was so good, man. He's so good. All if right. you want to make the part of Sean Connery terrifying, cast Michael Shannon. That changes oh, this yes. movie. 
Dude, that would be fucking Good dope. God. Or, or put Mike, Mike Shane can also just play the Ed Harris role. If you want yeah. him to not be sympathetic at all, yeah. that's who you put there. Yeah. All right. If you want more sympathetic, you go Kuba. If you want less, you go Michael Shannon. What a, what about 90s Jake Gyllenhaal for? Ooh, I love that. Oh. I love that. Really? It, I mean, 2000s Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Yeah. 90s. Yeah. Can't be not, a not, a, not Homer from October Sky. So, yeah, let's do like Day After Tomorrow Gyllenhaal. Perfect. Dude, I, I like love that, that a lot. That's, yeah. That's I, great. He has got the perfect blend of comedy, but he can play smart guy. And I think he can, Day After Tomorrow, he plays a scientist. And he's a Zodiac guy. He's, Zodiac, he's yeah. Awkward, anxious mm-hmm. guy. He can get bug-eyed and weird, you know? Yeah. He can heighten it up. I've seen so I've, much bunch. I just watched Nocturnal Animals, so I'm like, yeah, Michael Dude. Shannon, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> that movie is insane. That's so good. Yeah. And I that, understand why Swinney can't do a first and final frame on that, because what are those opening credits? Yeah. yeah. Damn. That's a, that's a wild movie. I still have always wanted to see that movie just because... I every person who says something about that movie, it's so like polarized that people either fucking love it or they fucking hate it, and there's like no in between for Nocturnal Animals. It's a it's a good movie. It's pretty. Oh, it's just, I've heard it's just Amy Adams reading a book for most yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of fetish. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> All right. Well, we we got to wrap this baby up. So why don't we offer some final final thoughts? Read. What anything else you want to say about Nicolas Cage, Michael Bay, The Rock, anything? Uh, final thoughts. I, I mean, I chose this movie because I'm always down to watch it. Like I said, uh, it still holds up. I like everybody's dynamic. I think the, the soundtrack's awesome. It's just it's it is the perfect encompassing 90s action movie that just like you feel the 90s in it you just it's over the top it's super weird with how detailed the plot is that ends up not mattering i love it man it's it's the rock what well, else is there to say we're happy to have had you on thank this movie you so made much me miss movie theaters i want to yeah. see just like a like really well done like almost b b movie makes it sound like i'm uh degrading it um but like just some kind of just straight down the middle action movie in theaters. Yeah, that's we're, that's we're almost there. Yeah, that's the read of the script. You, like you're that you're dead on that it's just movie. the '90s. Like Independence Day is very similar to this, where it's just like it, it, you read the logline and you just like get the whole movie. You're like, yeah, I know everything that's gonna happen. One of the best follow ups to a best actor Oscar win ever, I would say. Wow. A, a, a wild choice commercial commercially speaking absolutely i would love to see a list of like every best actor follow-up and see where this falls on it i might put a, a letterbox list to, together or something because this is up there that's sure. a fun letterbox list yeah that's, that's yeah that's cool i like that um yeah i mean this again this came out three months after mm-hmm. the oscars so is uh is once upon a time leo's follow-up to revenant Yes. That's got to be up there, too. Yeah. Damn. Because it works like once every four years now. Well, Well, Tom Hanks went from Forrest Gump to Philadelphia. So, like, the best... No, Philadelphia to Forrest Gump. Philadelphia to Forrest Gump. He won two Oscars back-to-back? Yep. Yeah. Oh, damn. He was a god. He is a god. He pulled a Mahershala before Mahershala. I guess Mahershala wasn't... There was a year between him. Yeah. Between his wins. 
or two? Two years? Three? Mahershala and Moonlight. Oof, that's amazing. Yeah. Did Crystal just... Waltz follow? Uh, oh, and Glorious and Django. Yeah, is that was that his too, or well, did he do Big Eyes in between? That wasn't in between. <laughs> Um, that was, uh, I think, in the 2010s for sure. How could we forget Big Eyes? Yeah, that Tim Burton classic. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm looking it up real quick. Oh, my God. This guy has made so much shit that nobody has seen. Can you filter out, like, the German? So he does <laughs> He does Inglorious in 09. Oh, my God. He was in Green Hornet, Water for Elephants, The Three Musketeers, oh. and something called Carnage, all in 2011. That, that's Carnage just, is good. Oh, yeah. That that trio before Carnage is uh, – we, we don't talk about that enough. That is quite the follow-up. Carnage is that movie that Colin sent us the poster of. Yeah, Colin just sent us this poster because it's just like – Their faces. It's just like neon pop art style, just every actor in the movie, like tiles mm-hmm. of their faces. And Colin was just like, is this a good movie poster? And we all said no. <laughs> it's not a good movie I think poster. it's awful. Um. Really quick, because I'm 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 on Tom Hanks uh, IMDb, and I do this wormhole like once every couple months. The run um, that he has, it's, yeah. So yeah. he goes. This is all in order: Sleepless in Seattle '93, Philadelphia '93, Forrest Gump '94, Apollo '13 '95, Toy Story '95, and then he makes that thing you do, and then Saving Private Ryan after that '98, Toy Story two '99, Green Mile '99, Castaway '2000. And you're not catch skipping me. shit. I'm not, I'm not, not skipping. skipping. Road for Perdition. Road for Perdition. That's before. Catch me before. Can, 2002. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of, they that, that, that that's before that's Sleepless. without a break. And like, that is, imagine just unbelievable. having like nine years where you're pitching fucking heaters. Well, then if you start the run at League of Their Own, League of Their Own is the year before Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. So I missed that. Yeah, because yeah, there's a couple. Because I mean, he does like two. That's another. Now. That's another series Big. to do. Is that run? That's my. God. We could do a whole. It's an unbelievable. Like we will never see a run like that again. That's just stupid. Good. What <laughs> a freak. And he's and, like a good guy. And like, now, fuck you, man. And now he has a. I have a problem. Good old. His, adult his son, son is Chet. <laughs> that's a, the thing i'm i'm the biggest knock against tom hanks is that he has a son that yeah i'm i'm his one, to bear. like i'm very happy that everyone knows about chet now but i'm also like salty in the way that you are when you like a band before anyone else <laughs> i've been on the chet corner for so chet is incredible <laughs> it's like yeah do you like chet's early stuff do you like his patois <laughs> oh my god internet gone mad <laughs> What the boy is some? Uh. <laughs> he, he is out of this. In, like, all the tweets that are like, at this point, it's hack, but like, hit, imagine him and Tom Hanks speaking to one another. I can't. I just I, I can't. It, it, it breaks this, my mind. It's, that the, man did not come the to the best. Firm of yeah, Tom Hanks. the best thing I ever saw was like, it was a, a Chet Hanks video. And then, like, someone wrote, like, what, <laughs> as if it was a video call with Rita Wilson and Tom Hanks. And it's just Tom Hanks, like, well, you sound great, bud. Um, so yeah, you look happy. We'll we'll see you. <laughs> like, it's just like a parent that has nothing in common. It sounds. I'm good, bummed but... out as Colin Hanks that he's still not the second most famous Hanks. 
<laughs> Colin, really you know, he's, he's, he's trying to carry the legacy. He's trying to be like, look, guys, like, I, I know. I look like, he's like, yeah. I was in Jumanji. I, I did Fargo. He just talks with Jamaican accent. They're like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. White Boy Summer, dude. Does Colin Hanks have anything as big as White Boy Summer? He, he dressed as a preacher in Mad Men. That was pretty cool. He, Colin Hanks is the king, like, I bet he's a pleasure on set guy. You yeah. know, I'm sure he has the, the most impeccable manners. He grew up on sets. Anyway, we have we, to end. We, we should end gotta, this. We, we gotta, we're gotta, completely gotta, off. Yeah, we're so And we made you wait so fucking long for you to start this fucking podcast. Oh, man. It's, it's, guys, thanks for having me on. It was fun talking to you. We uh, had a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Tell the listeners where they can find you online and if there's anything you want to plug. Uh, you could find me on Letterboxd. Uh, give me a follow on that. Uh, I just started a new podcast with a guy I did a movie with, and it's called Water Cooler, where we just talk about one movie uh, all the way through. We've done Snyder Cut and uh, Kong versus Godzilla. Ooh. Uh, I think next week we're doing Hook because it's going to be the 30th anniversary for that. Nice. And there's nothing coming out of theaters anymore. Mm-hmm. Hook will be a fun one. Wait, what? what's your name on Letterboxd? It's people? just my name. Read Delisle. Okay. Yeah. We'll put the links in the in the show notes for people. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll send you the stuff. And uh, yeah, I show up on First and Final Frames every once in a while. So uh, give Swinny a follow too. Yes, yes. And we will have him on for Con Air next week as I'm Nick Cage's run, run continues. Epic 90s run. Um, thanks so much for coming on, man. We hope to have you on again soon once uh, we're out of Cage Land over here. Um, but as far as We Bought a Mic goes, you can follow us at We Bought a Mic on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Go ahead and uh, recommend the show. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, donate if you can. Anchor.fm slash We Bought a Mic. And email us with any Cage thoughts at We Bought a Mic at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Thanks again, Reed. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.